Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. This episode of Beyond is sponsored by Indeed. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation, nothing else whatsoever. And so, of course, we're going to dive immediately into spoilers for the season finale of Loki season one. Uh, of course, to do all of that, I'm joined by Brian Altano. We're not going to spoil Loki season we're one. Not. Don't worry. I haven't watched it yet, so we're not going to spoil it. And Max Scoville. The only Loki we're going to be spoiling is your dog, Jonathan, because he's a very good boy and he deserves some begging strips. <laughs> he does, but he's also not in the room, so I can't pull him out for this early time joke on my part. Uh, of course, we are going to be jumping into a lot of uh, PlayStation news. I do want to start off by asking both of you and I guess the audience at large. I just really want to, uh, of course, this week, Lucy O'Brien isn't on the show and she won't be next week as well. She's, she's off on vacation uh, in her her native lands and so uh we won't have her on the show for the next couple of weeks but we'll have her back as soon as we can i want to think of something that we can do that when she comes back we have like we, we pretend like there is this ongoing joke or thread through the show um that Ooh, isn't like that. real like it's not a real ongoing thread but we just pretend like it's a thing that has popped up these last couple of weeks and we refer back to it like how Black Widow and Hawkeye would always be like, remember that time in Budapest? But we don't actually show Budapest. Budapest, Budapest excuse me. Yeah, someone has seen Marvel's Black Widow. Anyway, uh, please write into us with your thoughts. This is on a what PlayStation that. show, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, of, I don't know what kind of what kind of pranks would we do? I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's the thing. I just want to do it. I don't know what the prank should be. I just mm -hmm. I want to do something. Oh, so oh I got it. I got thoughts, it. I got it. Ooh, a bird okay. flew into Brian's room and was knocking over toys. Constantly, Ooh. it's still there too, and I haven't, I haven't found it. I like it. We'll do, a, we'll do bird watch with you, a literal bird watch with you when she comes back. Then, or you know what we could do? We could. Let's. Okay, how about we do a section called the clap, where we all clap for something <laughs> that Sony did that week. We go. Now it's time for the clap, and we go. Ooh, Good job, Sony. I like you that. Had, yes. you had a great tweet the other day. That's good. And then we all, we all do this. We just go one, two, three, clap. That's it. There we go. That's good. The, play, the okay. PlayStation clap. I love it. Yeah. Clap. And we'll just keep doing it. And Lucy will be like, what's ha what happened? I love when, it. When yeah. did this start? When I worked That's at a, when I worked at a coffee shop, we told this one girl that um, there was a new policy. Like she, she worked the mid shift. I worked opening shift and she showed up. And we're like, Hey, there's a new policy. It came down from corporate. We all have to say thanks a latte when someone orders a latte. <laughs> And we had her going. She did it the whole day. Oh, man. That's really good. Um, I was going to play a prank like that on uh, Alana one day in the office way back when. But I uh, thought of the joke in my head and thought it was so funny that I started laughing to myself before I could even say the joke. Uh, it was going to be about what we do on President's Day in the United States and how we all dress up like different presidents and have to always speak in quotes by them. Why don't oh, we do that? Celebrate the holiday? <laughs> well, while while we're on the subject of not talking about PlayStation for the next 30 yeah. seconds, we did try to convince Alana at one point in Las Vegas that Americans at the end of a big meal uh, clap. 
And so we all went out to like a big hearty lunch restaurant. And then at the end, we were like, yeah. Well, that's oh that God. started when like you guys were in the plane and it landed and then somebody started clapping, right? Wasn't yeah, that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> Which is weird. It's, I feel like clapping in movie theaters on an airplane's like I, I sort of get it, but it's also it's always awkward because it's always sort of starts with like one person and everyone else is like, oh, some people are like, I guess I'll clap. But other people are like, why are they clapping? No one should be clapping well, right now. Like I've been to movies where people clap at the end and I've been on flights where people clap at the end. But in like the nineties, they used to show uh, movies on flights, but no one would ever clap. At the end, <laughs> which is weird. That's like a two, you know, passing of the ship. Well, that'd be weird. Because there... everyone would be sleeping and everyone would just start clapping in the middle. I'd be like, what happened? It'd be like, I've, I finished. Uh, now you see me part two. <laughs> well, did, of course, did... as we, sorry, go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, is there any PlayStation news? Well, no, I was going to say, of course, <laughs> as we all know, you also always clap at the end of every video game you finish when the director's That's... name shows up. Yeah, uh, and that will be the clap. That will be <laughs> doubly true with uh, the upcoming director's cuts that we have coming out in the world of PlayStation, specifically the Death Stranding director's cut and the Ghost of Tsushima director's cut. Uh, but as we learned earlier this week, uh, even one of those directors, Hideo Kojima, is not a fan of the phrase. Uh, in some tweets that I believe someone had said they have now been deleted, but I'm going to double check and see if that's actually true. Uh, but anyway, in some tweets, uh, Kojima was talking about how a director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director did not have the right to edit it or because the running time had to be shortened. Uh, he then followed up and said, uh, in the game, it is not what was cut, but what was additionally produced that was included. Uh, so in my opinion, I don't like to call it a director's cut. Um, this is a little bit of a weird moment for, uh, a like naming convention. And I kind of want to talk to both of you about it because obviously we, we also, I think all three of us, you know, are, are very into, movie releases and, and tracking the production of movies and all these things. And like the, the term director's cut does really mean something very specific to that world. And so bringing it over into the game world, you would think, Oh, it is the stuff that was left on the cutting room floor that they couldn't get into production. But both this and in the ghost of Tsushima blog post where they revealed all the, the content that was planned, they talked about a lot of this was made in feedback to people had after the game launched. So right. what we're dealing with here are essentially to deluxe editions of a game or you know the the final mix version that's the thing that kingdom hearts uses a lot it, it's a thing that like has existed in games but using the term director's cut has started to draw some ire from people and also some confusion from some of the directors making the games um so i kind of wanted to start off by just generally asking how you feel about the use of the director's cut naming convention and if you feel like it's going to be a problem or it's just something that they they kind of think is some snazzy marketing term and brian i'll start with you on how you feel yeah about it. um well we got into this a little bit last week and it was kind of interesting that the this quote from kojima came out uh, via his twitter just a few days later because last week we, we talked about um sony has is probably using this term because they want to sort of play up the sort of cinematic importance of their games right they want to make these big sort of like blockbuster tentpole movie, you know, very sort of narrative driven games with directors and, you know, with, with all, all the feel of like a, a, a big movie release. Um, but as a video game, right. This, these are, these are stories that they're trying to tell. That's been a big part of what they're doing. Um, that said, I think that like the director's cut thing has never always made a ton of sense, but if there's one thing that the Snyder cut accomplished is that uh, that sort of changed the terminology forever. Like there was such a sort of 
weird back and forth bad blood on how like Zack Snyder was able to go back in and finish his film from acclaimed pervert Joss Whedon, who uh, went uh, basically <laughs> not not uh, acclaimed uh, for the perversion. Just <laughs> no, no, no. For I guess like people liked his stuff before he was a pervert, or he was a pervert the whole time. Whatever. Maybe you still like his stuff. That's on you, not me. Never cared. But uh, so I, I think that like Zack Snyder famously going back in finishing his movie and then HBO being like, we're going to put all of our sort of like promotional strength behind this, use it as a traffic subscription driver. Like there was a sort of redemption arc story there. Um, this is not really what's happening with games that were completed, got nominated for game of the year, uh, you know, sold a bunch of copies critically acclaimed for the most part, reached a bunch of fans and stuff like that. Um, these are not uh, people that were locked out of the studio that weren't allowed, you know, the, the editing room weren't allowed to finish their stuff. This is people going back in and adding more things to it. And like Max said last week, you know, the game of the year uh, moniker is kind of tacky. And I totally agree with that. And so I'm glad they're finding something. But I, I do think that there's like there had I, I think there should be a different terminology here, because if we're two games in and both of them are coming from directors that had full creative control that are now going back in to add more stuff. Um, and one of which is publicly saying, hey, I don't really agree with this phrase, then I think we need we need a new naming convention here. Yeah, it's obviously something that it, based on this comment to me and, and based on it being used across different like both internal first party and first party published games, it's very clearly a thing PlayStation wants to put forward. And I, right. I agree with you, like it helps convey that sense of them of like very cinematic game experiences and that's that's really what they want their mark to be in, in, in games that can uh sort of transcend the idea of just something you're playing but some some artistic medium that that rises above necessarily right i um, saw uh jeff, jeff grobe um from GameSpeed tweeted out that like kojima only put that tweet out to so he could tell his friends you know nicholas winding refin and uh <laughs> del toro that uh he knew what a director's cut was it's like <laughs> super funny to me that's such a good joke good work i Jeff. love that um but yeah it, it's a it's a strange moment for the term because yeah i i agree and and yeah max as you had said like game of the year is is a silly term to use at this point especially because probably any game that wants to use game of the year can find a website that called them game of the year Right. It doesn't necessarily mean a certain thing anymore. Um, well, you so could be nominated for like best music, and then that's still technically a game of the year nominee. So, you know, it's sort of like Academy Award winning movie Suicide Squad. <laughs> that's, yeah, 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 that's very true. Uh, but Max, how do, how do you feel about the, the I, usage right now? I think it's ironic that the person who has a problem with the term director's cut is the director. Like mm -hmm. maybe they should have floated that by the actual directors before being like, this is their version of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the thing here is that this is software and it's it's applying a sort of, you know, cinematic uh, naming convention to it, which doesn't always work. It's kind of weird if you look at like what like software by by design has like iterations, like it's very normal for there to be like, oh, it's version 2.0 or it's the upgraded version or whatever. Like that's super normal for games because they are they are software and they are easy to not easy to patch, but they're more easier, easier to patch than like you know, an album or a movie or something like that. Um, conversely, when we talk about what a remaster is, uh, it's I feel like it's almost more akin to like a shot for shot remake because you look at what like a remaster is in terms of music and it's going in and like kind of tweaking the levels and like adjusting the, um, you know, maybe it's it's taking the original tapes and like you know running through again. But, you know, you're they're not they're not recreating the entire album from the ground up, whereas we have this whole conversation about like what constitutes a remaster versus a remake versus a reboot in terms of games nowadays um 
yeah, I don't know. The, the, the director's cut seems like they maybe should have workshopped that a little bit more, uh, especially if, you know, the, is this the, the second time they've used it? The, it's, it's these two games. So, yeah, it'll be Ghost yeah. and, and Death Stranding that are, are getting that moniker. And they're probably ramping up to use it for The Last of Us. Too. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 odd. It's also I mean, it's if if it's a version that has additional stuff that was made for the sake of that, that is that is more like the kind of Snyder Cut George Lucas special edition approach where you're like, I'm going to go in and, and add a bunch of things and shuffle things around and change stuff up. But it's I don't know. It's just it's sort of funny to think about. Um, because I, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird name. It's, it's very funny to me that Kojima was like, I don't like this name. Me, the director, like this is yeah. not. Like- well, because that, that game was, I mean, like there's, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm stunned at the way that game came together because that was a, a guy that basically very publicly left a company he worked with for a long time over creative differences um, sort of famously was in uncapable or unable to finish his last game. Uh, I saw some trailers getting kicked around for MGS5 the other day, and there's just all this stuff in it that were just not in the final game, which is interesting. You know, that, that game sort of didn't really have an ending. Um, but then he went on with this awesome redemption story, and Sony funded, um, you know, the development, and uh, he created this brand new studio. He had all those people in the hallway with the statue. Like, he had total creative control, and that's really cool. And I think on the movie side, a, a thing you see a lot is extended edition right or like the extended cut and that's usually when they add extra scenes i'm actually surprised that they haven't used that phrasing for um video games because like gamers love knowing that they're getting more of a game they love to know how long uh, of a game they're getting for the you know perceived value uh, how many hours are being tacked on the ghost of tsushima stuff that's adding an entire new island uh, is rumored to add somewhere between like 15 and 20 hours of new content and it's odd that that isn't just being called like dlc or an expansion or anything like that um but it's all just being rolled into this director's cut thing. so where in the case of in the case of ghost of Shima, i feel like that actually that naming works on two levels because they had the mm-hmm. whole kurosawa mode and then it's also a game about cutting stuff so it's almost it's almost like a <laughs> wink and a nod to play on words but yeah i don't know i can't wait for the fruit ninja director's cut then <laughs> um yeah i i will say so a thing i I am the there. There are those rumors going around from a uh, alleged ghost tester. Um, I would say from things I've heard, don't put too much stock into all of that. Um, but nonetheless, I do think we're going to get a pretty sizable chunk of, of new content here. Um, oh, was that a rumor? The 15 hours of extra content? The, there's there's been uh, a, a Reddit leaker who was a tester on the game who uh has all this uh, info about it but it's i i wouldn't put too much stock in it at the moment um well my uncle works at nintendo uh, and he said fair that he, you shouldn't play this game because it doesn't have waluigi in it <laughs> you know it's, um, it's also it's i want to say it's, it's weird that sony's applying this term across the board like it's kind of it, we all know what it is in terms of movies but at the same time movies frequently use varied terms for that like we have obviously the you know the snyder cut or the you know mad max black and chrome edition or whatever even looking at like like the Alien box set is like Alien Director's Cut, Aliens Director's Cut, Alien 3 Work Print slash Assembly Cut, Alien mm-hmm. Resurrection with additional footage. Like it's not even like across the board. Um, like Blade Runner infamously put out a Director's Cut in the 90s that was based on what like Ridley Scott's notes were, but they didn't right. really actually go in and mess with too much. And so when Ridley Scott actually got his hands on it, he made the final cut which I think a lot of people are like, oh, director's cut, that seems definitive. And then, you know, they go on and watch the final cut. It's, I don't know, it's, it's such a, it's, it's, I guess, I guess what's reassuring is that it's a, it's a messy topic regardless of the medium. 
Right. Yeah. I, I was I, actually I mean, going to bring up the Blade Runner thing. You're right. Because I, they're still to this day when people go, oh, Blade Runner, I've never seen it, which, you know, please <laughs> fix that. Uh, people are always like, which versions should I watch? And there, there was a debate for a while about which version you should watch. Like, and I think I, the video games don't really have that, right? Because like, if you have the choice between the director's cut of Death Stranding and, and you know, the launch edition or whatever, like you're going to tell people to get the one that has more content because I don't think it's necessarily messing with the pacing. Whereas mm -hmm. like, I've heard people debate um, which version of Majora's Mask or Shadow of the Classes should I play because these make sort of aesthetic changes in their remastered form um, that uh, is, is sort of much of the chagrin of some, you know, diehards and purists. Yeah, the, the, these two in particular, as, as you were saying, with Death Stranding and, and Ghost as well, where it's like, hey, we all know how fun and engaging it is to just explore that world and go around it. And here's going to be a version that lets you do that in a brand new environment as well. Like, in addition, it, it's kind of like there's no reason you would say, no, only stick with the base game at that point. Why do why, like unless the new island is awful, which I'm not expecting based on everything they put out, like you would always tell people to go for the next one. And also, Max, to your point of like, the term already being kind of a mess as, as you were both saying with the Snyder cut, it's like, well, yeah, he went like, he had a lot of footage. Sure. But then also went and shot, you know, tens of millions of dollars more to right. add to it as well. So it's yeah, like the director's cut, the, the blank person's cut uh, is kind of always in a strange place. It, it, it's just in a weird position right now with, I think PlayStation wanting this to clearly be a thing. And one of the first directors that they have on board being like, I don't get the naming here. It's, it's just a weird <laughs> moment for it. Um, but as, as you said, I imagine we'll continue to see this unless these versions do terribly in sales, which I'm not expecting to, we'll probably get more director's cuts. As you were saying, <clears throat> excuse me, the last of us part two feels like the next obvious candidate. Um, I don't know where else they would go from there, like in the immediate back catalog. Cause I, I feel like all focus is on the next God of war and horizon forbidden West. So I don't feel like they're going to put new content into those games at this point. But, right. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, well, never say never, right? I wasn't expecting this much new stuff being added to Ghost of Tsushima. I figured they yeah. would do sort of like a a standalone, you know, and sort of what Naughty Dog does, which is make like an eight-hour kind of spin-off game um, or DLC or just save it all for a sequel. Yeah, I mean, they they had something similar with that with uh, First Light for Infamous right. um, at the beginning of the PS4 generation. So it's cool to see them continuing to support things as long as it means more PlayStation releases. Like, that's great with me. It, a chance to revisit these Same. games I love. So I'll certainly take it. Your superstar employee left to start their own company. You're happy for them. But right now you need help. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Indeed Instant Match helps you make a short list of great candidates fast. When you sponsor a job, you get a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Then you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, Indeed makes finding quality candidates even faster with 135 assessments to help make sure you find applicants with the right skills. Best of all, you only pay for applicants who meet your must-have qualifications. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com beyond. 
Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash beyond. Indeed.com slash beyond. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Um, though in terms of how those affect the the rest of the lineup, I'm going to switch just a little bit in the run of show. Uh, we know Ghost of Tsushima and the Death Stranding Director's Cut are coming late this year, uh, August and September. A, a PS5 exclusive, console exclusive we were expecting this year, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, has been delayed in to early 2022 uh, in order to protect the health of those working on the game. Uh, a statement from the uh, Tango and uh, Ghostwire Twitter account said, we've made the decision to delay the launch of Ghostwire Tokyo to early 2022. We want to get the game in your hands as soon as possible so you can experience the unforgettable version of a haunted Tokyo that we've been hard at work building. At the same time, we're also focused on protecting the health of everyone at Tango. Our new release window will give us time to bring the world of Ghostwire to life as we've always envisioned it. Thank you for being patient as we work to bring you an experience unlike anything else we've ever made. We can't wait to show you more in the coming months. Um, mm. This, I, I want to ask both of you, but at least for me, this doesn't totally surprise me because we've seen so little of this game. Like since right. the, the launch trailers last year, the reveal trailers, excuse me, we've really gotten nothing about this game. So it doesn't shock me that they needed more of the time. That said, I'm also glad that this comment in a continuing trend that we've seen does address the well-being of the developers. Obviously, this is a, an official corporate statement, like it, it, you can only take so much of face value. But the fact that these statements have like, there's been a recent trend of them continuing to mention the health of the developers. We saw this with God of War's delays too. At least I appreciate that that's in there because it does hold them a little bit more accountable because then if we get stories of oh, but actually we're working them to the bone even worse because of the delay. Like, that begins to create a very troubling narrative for these studios. So I, I like that it puts a little bit of accountability there. But in terms of its delay, uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Does does this come as much of a shock to you? Um, no, not exactly. I do wonder sort of what the exclusivity window on this remains. Um, I remember reading the fine print in the State of Play the other day about Deathloop basically said, you know, coming to Xbox a year later. So I, I don't know if this also delays whatever sort of window that happens there. But um, yeah, I'm fine for the studio taking its time. I never really feel like I'm, you know, uh, short on new games to play. Uh, to what you were mentioning earlier about sort of the crunch culture um, evolving and changing, uh, I, I think that's one of the best things that can happen. I know every time we bring this up, people are like, well, my job's hard too. And like, you know, with that we should fix that as well. But if you, if you flash back to sort of rise son of Rome, right. One of the uh, launch titles for the last Xbox, the studio at the time sort of famously tweeted out, Hey, we've ordered like 600 pizzas to keep everybody full while they're home working late. And a bunch of people at the time, they thought like that was a cute thing to say. And a bunch of people were like, that's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. I was reading, uh, a piece about retro the other day um and everyone loves them right like when you think about metroid prime and donkey kong and stuff like that people are like wow what a great studio they're under nintendo you don't really hear about crunch from them a lot um development diaries through them showed that they were crunching like crazy through metroid prime and it's one of the most beloved games like this was such a part of uh, a video game development culture for so long and to see that slowly change um by uh, sort of through the pandemic and through uh, other public means, you know, people like uh, Jason Trier writing books about it and stuff like that. I think all of that is bringing awareness to a problem that is happening in video games. It's also happening elsewhere. It happens in movies, but uh, with, you know, sort of th the way unions work, uh, the, the way, you know, people are under contract, they have to work per hour, they have to get specific breaks and times and stuff like that. Um, the culture seems a little bit different there, although a lot of people sort of 
have been head down in the editing room working on things for years and you don't really hear about it, but hopefully this is something that changes. None of these things sort of have to come out, you know, this day and, and this second that we, we need to demand that people don't see their families and friends and their, you know, children and they're, they're lacking their, you know, ignoring their personal health and hygiene just to, you know, animate doors in a fake Tokyo. So take your time, do your thing. We'll be here when you're ready. Yeah, the, Max, other, the other thing Go is ahead. like we, we, you know, we talk a lot about sort of like cr crunch culture being a, a like an old problem. It's just now being addressed, which it, it is in a certain degree. But I imagine it's in a, to a certain sense, it's, it's actually been getting worse gradually. In the same way that like you know, we video games have stayed the price of sixty bucks, but they've like what quadrupled in resolution, and that's just right. that's just visually like there's there's so many new components and so many moving parts, and they're you know these infinitely complex like massive massive uh pieces of software and it, it it's i imagine that there's this there's old habits that some studios have of being like we should be able to turn a game around in three years which was probably true 10 years ago but now if you're moving with you're you know dealing with that many more moving parts and you're developing for instead of i don't know putting a game on disc for for two systems putting it on what five different variations of two systems digitally and on disc and then maybe having to patch stuff and then deal with whatever online components. I mean, you read about like, you know, Atari development and they would have like, like one or two dudes would make one game in four months. Right. And it would come out for one system. And like, obviously that, you know, the, the game would look like um, it would be like four blocks bumping into each other, but like, you know, things, <laughs> things scale. Like now you look at something like, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey or, or, um, the, Valhalla. The Valhalla, that one. Um, I, I mean, really, any of them. They're just they're they're huge. They're they're staggeringly large, and that's from like a massive global, you know, quadruple A studio that that's has been doing this on such a consistent level. I mean, maybe the reason we're seeing Assassin's Creed games uh, go from being a yearly release to a you know every two years release is because to adjust for this, you know, like you know we've seen games that get that get horribly rushed and. Um, I guess this is sort of the, the flip side of, of of crunch culture and delays is that like it, it's it's a, what a video game is is sort of a moving target. And, mm -hmm. you know, you look at what games were 10 years ago and it's it's a different like it's a different ecosystem. Like it's a, it, they're trying to do different stuff and they it, expectations are a totally different thing. And um, that's that's without the giant monkey wrench that is working remotely during a pandemic. Yeah. Well, and, and even just to use the example that you were going with there with Assassin's Creed, their uh, production pipeline is changing even more because of that uh, recently confirmed Infinity project that I believe Schreier had broken the news about. And then uh, Ubisoft had acknowledged of essentially a like a platform based future for Assassin's Creed going forward. And it, even something that to me, I think of as a longstanding single player, robust, like action adventure campaign with open world obviously but as one of those things is suddenly becoming more more and more of a live service and the, and the past few games have been leaning that way but the the pure nature of like live service games also just completely throws that all for a wrench there was um i don't know if you guys saw but uh apex legends was hacked over the july 4th weekend and uh with this uh campaign to fix titanfall it, it was this whole big thing but one of the devs tweeted about like hey because that hack was happening I was playing with like my newborn nephew and had to hand him back to his parents so I could go work on fixing this patch over a holiday weekend. Like mm -hmm. that has completely changed. Like all of that just so completely changes the way game development happens. 
beyond the the mystery that it already was for so many of us. Um, right. And the other side of that conversation was sort of consumers being like, I paid money to access content here and I have my first sort of few days off in a while. Yep. And I wanted to, and so there was an expectation on both sides. And I don't, I don't think that like, the toxicity doesn't solve anything. Obviously, anyone sending death threats and everybody can jump in a space. Um, but the sorry, but the uh, I, I think that like that there is definitely like the consumer is also saying like, hey, I you know I paid to access some of this stuff. How do I access it? And it it just sucks for everybody all around. But like Max said, these are these are massively scaled new projects that are only growing bigger and bigger. They are dealing with so many more things. Uh, like the four guys making the four block bumping game on Atari didn't have to like figure out how does this play through, you know, the Amazon Luna cloud service or anything <laughs> like that. Like, you know, how does, how, what about people trying to remote play this um, from their downstairs living rooms? There's, there's a lot more things, you know, that, that take into account now. Um, and with all of that sort of convenience uh, of, of, uh, of us being consumers to be able to access our games in different ways, play them on different platforms, you know, uh, you, them through the cloud or remotely or whatever it is um become becomes more work and more testing and and and, and more things involved and so i don't really know what the solution is there right because there's, there's always going to be something uh, we were just covering a story today about uh activision asked like this this hacker was basically just like i have the most nefarious call of duty Warzone hack ever made and it's undetectable and unstoppable and he put up videos and they were like please please don't do that like please don't do that and he was like all right, I won't. But like that's a, that's again a sort of they they banned half a million hackers in that game already. So it's like you know while one evil was killed, another will rise. <laughs> like it's always it's always going to come from somewhere. So yeah, I yeah. don't know what the solution is. Games are are big and crazy now, and um, there's going to have to be a little bit of patience across the board from everybody involved. It is a miracle that any game ever gets made whatsoever and works <laughs> because of all the incredible moving parts in it. And so, yeah, please, uh, you know, with your with Ghostwire, with any of the games that get delayed, please uh, let the developers be, let them work at the pace they need to, to live healthy, normal lives as well. There are, I, I would go out on a limb and say, you probably have plenty of games that have come out that someone has told you is amazing that you probably haven't played. I myself have about 700 of those, so I can assume everyone out there has at least a couple. Uh, moving on from there, just briefly want to mention a couple other pieces of news. Uh, we're going to be getting a bunch of Persona announcements for the anniversary of the franchise. I personally can't wait. Uh, I will, of course, wait until those announcements actually happen, and I hopefully will get Andrew Goldfarb to yell either on a voicemail or something to be able to be on the show about them, whatever they may be. Um, a Gran Turismo 7 beta has allegedly leaked. Uh, there is a uh, experienced PlayStation website that Sony has that uh, basically people were able to sign up for a beta uh, by putting in a placeholder download code. Of course, this beta is not officially announced, but uh, it's always good to see some signs of life for Gran Turismo 7 as we wait for more news on that one. Uh, but that was, of course, delayed into next year. So we'll, we'll wait to see if there's another sort of state of play that an announcement for a beta like this might come through. Mm -hmm. uh, we also got news that uh, Final Fantasy XIV, which of course is playable on PS4 and PS5, is so popular that Square had to stop selling it digitally for a little bit, which I really enjoyed as just an amusing <laughs> side because I just don't think that ever really happens with digital sales. Can, uh, can you please explain that to me? So, did, were, were they worried about server stress? So I think it was partially server stress because at least like, so the way it works is you can obviously choose which server you're on and which server you're choosing to play Final Fantasy on. And uh, that will 
allow you to be with certain players. So like I was playing with a few people from my streaming community. And so we waited a little bit to all get on the same server. Uh, and it took like, uh, my, my girlfriend was playing a lot as well to get on the same server. She waited, I think like two or three hours. And this was months ago. This was when it first came to PS5, but she was waiting and just refreshing every like 10 minutes for like two to three hours to get on that server. Cause space is just limited to a certain extent. And so I think to avoid server stress, to avoid too much happening, because they have just seen such an influx of players over the last few months, I think they just needed to pause sales for a little bit to be able to, you know, catch right. up with everything. It's um, a good problem to have, right? Yeah, I mean, def definitely better than the reverse. Um, yeah, I mean, like we've read the opposite story where like online games have to populate their servers with bots just to get enough people to make matchmaking possible for like a, a simple, you know, player count. Um, so this is, the, the, I mean, it's also Square Enix is like sort of famously overshot when it comes to sales expectations with games, you know, like they're always like, we have to hit, we hit 6 million instead of 7 million and we underperformed. And you're like, what? That's a lot of millions though. Um, so this is cool. Like I, hopefully they can, they can figure out how to get more people there. Like it's kind of awesome. Yeah. It, um, apparently it was over the weekend. I believe that the wait list essentially had, uh, you know, been stalled and you couldn't get through it. Uh, when we had checked it this, this week, uh, Matt came on our news team and checked it. It seemed to have resumed normal function. So it seems people are able to get in, but, uh, it, it has very popular specific servers as well. So depending on where people were trying to get into that could have likely mm -hmm. affected it as well. Uh, and then last on the, on the news doc, I just wanted to mention, of course, uh, man eater is getting DLC. Yeah, I don't think I put this on here, but I also am very excited. I put that on there because okay, I know you, you, you yeah. and I both, we both platinum that game recently. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that man, that game is awesome. Uh, I, I've talked about this before. Max, Max, and I did a let's play for it that's super fun that you can dig up. Um, it's a just open world shark game narrated by Chris Parnell of SNL fame. It's very goofy. It's very over the top, but it also has this like kind of weird un undercurrent, no uh, pun intended, um, sort of thematic plot line about sort of anti-eco-terrorism. Uh, this is like a deeply disturbed and disgusting ocean full of wretched humans dumping toxins in and still swimming around. And this shark, uh, for a number of reasons, gets revenge on all of them. And you basically go around. I love that there's a SpongeBob Easter egg. <laughs> goes around hunting down all these... Um, like, you know, poachers, trappers, and just nefarious, awful people who are out at sea trying to kill you and trying to disturb the environment. And it's just so much fun. And so they're adding uh, basically this entire new area. They're upping the level cap. They're adding new sort of armor sets. And what's cool about this is like you get you get different armor sets that are kind of like a fin and teeth. You can get like electric set or bone set or whatever you want, the shadow set. And they're all super, super fun to play with. Um, I just like basically a hundred percent of this game recently. Uh, it's, it's on game pass. If, if you're looking for something to play there, I believe it was on PlayStation plus at some point. It was, yeah, it I was right. End of last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and it also got recently got a uh, next gen, uh, patches and stuff like that. So it looks and plays very well. It's beautiful. Um, super, super fun game. Very idiotic. It's not the deepest thing in the world. Again, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> I won't say the gameplay is shallow. But oh, no, no, please, please, please play Maneater. <laughs> and if not, uh, just wait for the DLC because it's, it's going to be really fun. I really I really appreciate that this is a game where you play as a shark, not mm -hmm. like a guy who's a shark theme or so. Like, I feel like so much of the time right. they're like, it's a game where you play as an animal who has humanoid characteristics. I mean, this obviously the shark can jump and kick and stuff, but like 
the fact that they pretty much designed an entire control scheme for like a shark body is such a it's such a novelty to me because mm -hmm. you know the the sort of I don't know how many games do you play as as a as a person with arms and legs who runs around and jumps and stuff. It's like pretty, you know. It's it's kind of kind of played out. I do that every day. I'd like to be a shark for a change. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and it's a lot of fun, as Brian was saying. I also like it uh, for like its length. It is a you know twenty hour RPG, which is wonderful, and so you're you're constantly getting that hit of aggression or uh, progression. Not well, also aggression because you're a shark. Uh, but the the progression of it is just kind of constant. Uh, you're getting to either do, do silly stuff like flopping on a beach and attacking humans or, or explore underwater. There's a lot of collectibles and stuff. And yeah, the DLC Truth Quest will launch on August 31st. And this plays into the whole fact that like the game that you're playing is also a reality TV show called Maneater. That is sort of the the overarching thing related to Chris Parnell's uh, lines and everything. And so I think mm -hmm. the world has been shown this, the true nature of this this port and everything going on and so the uh the conspiracy theories only get crazier from there uh, it's, it's got that wonderful gta thing where you sort of like ra rack up the kills and all of a sudden you know more and more crazy things start coming in and i believe the dlc is bringing in like helicopters and stuff like that um the base game uh had these sort of like the end game had like these sonar boats that could uh, uh, like send electrical waves waves out underwater it's just so much fun this game is also um responsible well, i'm responsible for because i'm stupid but one of the dumbest things <laughs> i've ever asked in a tr uh like sort of trade show interview was max and i were interviewing the developers and i was like there's all these buildings ev everywhere can can the shark go in them and they were like no he's a shark <laughs> see i think that should be dlc like because he can go up on the beach and flop right a little bit what if he involves lungs and he just goes up and he can't he can't like walk or run he just has to flop like that like just flops up like 50 yeah. feet to stare <laughs> that'd be great flopping the shark along the the sand office shark is mm -hmm. so fun oh my god office it's shark. so funny I mean, yeah they need something for Maneater too. Why they give him Elton John glasses? What's going on here? This looks great. Oh, there's the dance sequence. You don't know. Oh, good. Yeah. There isn't, but you could believe there would be in this game. Um, yeah, it's a really a lot of fun. I can't recommend it enough. It is definitely, as as Brian said, a little bit shallow, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. it's it's a really fun time and a relatively easy platinum for those who care. Mm -hmm. You called um, it like a good podcast game, which I, I totally agree with. Yeah, it's a lot, like I think listen into it and have fun while Chris Parnell is telling you silly parts about the story. But if you're just going mm -hmm. around trying to collect, you know, the 30 underground signposts, it is Shark Week. <laughs> it is Shark Week. So maybe, True. you know, observe Shark Week in a, a good way, you know. And be this. Yeah. And you can play the truth seeking adventure in <laughs> August, I guess. Uh, there also will be like a little bit of a demo, I think, for the DLC. So, you know, cool. go check that out. But uh, in addition to that, whether you're playing Maneater or something else, I do want to talk a little bit about what we've been playing, especially because I know uh, you guys have been jumping into a, a bit of a storied franchise that we've talked about on the show before. But Brian, I'll start with you. What have you been playing? Yeah, so uh, they had a sort of deep sale after uh, E3 uh, or whatever E3 was this year where, you know, we got more information about uh, Far Cry 6. Um, and I did an interview with the sort of like lead writer and the sort of uh, lead sort of creative gameplay uh, designer. And it before when we were getting warmed up because we're working from home, everything is like a million technical moving parts. We just started sort of reminiscing about the Far Cry, Far Cry franchise. And I just had one of those things click in my head where I was like, this is such an incredibly important franchise to me. It's always been so near and dear to my heart, but it doesn't really, it's not really something I associate with like, you know, you go like, oh, I really love like The Legend of Zelda or I love The Last of Us games. You know, there's this like, you know, large narrative that, you know, connects so many of these things and they've been 
special to me because the, the Far Cry games are very similar, but all, also largely disparate in terms of their settings and tones in a lot of ways. Um, but I noticed that like they put a bunch of the games up super cheap. So I went back and I, I bought Far Cry 1, 2, 3, 4, and Blood Dragon. And I think I got all five of those games for like 18, 20 bucks total. So they're super cheap. Sorry if you missed the sale. Um, they regularly go on sale, though. And I, I just went back and started like tracing the roots of this series, which is something I've been trying to do a little more of with things I love is sort of figure out like, where did this start? How did it evolve? And I think there was a lot of sort of notion that uh, this is a sort of sale and repetitive franchise. And I, I would say in a lot of ways it is, but n not really more so than the average video game series that gets annualized. Um, and I think a lot of those get a free pass. And I, I just, I feel like this is like a sort of like, it's weird to say this about a, a franchise that, you know, routinely sells very, fairly well. It's fairly critically acclaimed, but I feel like Far Cry has kind of slept on. Like, I feel like people don't really celebrate this series in the way they do a lot of other big ones. Um, and watching it grow and evolve over the years, going from the first Far Cry, which is very sort of straightforward you don't have a ton of wiggle room in terms of your creativity uh but also like famously for the time it was mostly outdoors right which is uh, in an era of like sort of corridor driven first person shooters that were dark and strange and far cry one has a lot of that too uh including weird mutants that you have to fight which i totally forgot about going into like a large tropical setting and giving people uh you know hang gliders and all these different weapons and zip lines and stuff like that was really clever and really cool and then moving on to far cry 2 which i think like suffers a lot from being the kind of the sepia toned murky brown looking games of the era that you know your early gears of war your resident evil fives um that's when it started to move open world but three is when it really sort of just like kicked off right like three it hit its drive almost sort of perfected the formula that we see today um but it got me in a chance to jump back into four which is a game i believe i 100 percented when it first came out you know troy baker plays pagan men it takes place in karat uh it's got it's sort of these gigantic mountains but also rivers it's got you know tigers and elephants that you can ride um bulls there's all sorts of like bizarre crazy animals in it and it does uh some of the like my favorite stuff an open world game can do i think it totally does that like the thing that far cry has always struggled with is how do we tell a serious story but also get a bunch of goofy nonsense in here and i think five dropped the ball in a lot of ways uh the setting was kind of boring and stuff like that but it all just got me so damn excited for far cry 6 uh which is coming out later this year and i feel like this is like gonna really bring the series back to where i want it to be um and i can't wait for it personally like so yeah far cry rules well said brian yeah I've, i'm I jumped into one and two. Um, I, I played two, I don't know, a million years ago. Um, it was one of, it was like one of the, you know, I had like kind of a lapse period in gaming through college. And then I, that was one of the games that I kind of picked up and got me back into it. And it was just, you know, I was blown away about how cool it looked and how like the, like the, what is it the procedurally generated fire that will just occasionally work how you want it to and other times it won't mm -hmm. at all. Um, but yeah, Far Cry three is one of my favorite games ever. And it's, it, you know, you know, you said it well, like it, that game is, or that series, I think it's written off a lot as, you know, just being another annualized Ubisoft thing. But like, the problem that with three is how much it completely like threw that formula in the air, and how many systems it introduced that have since been kind of like done to death by other Ubisoft games. But the whole right. idea of like, oh, go to this area, climb the watchtower, unlock the thing around here, sneak into the outpost. You can go loud or you can go quiet, and then you know, I mean it. I, I feel like it's just, it's a very rock solid foundation to the point that since then it's almost been like it was very sporadically 
uh like it evolved very like kind of all over the place like the first game to the second game to the third game they were still kind of like figuring out what worked and what didn't and then the jump from the third to the fourth is like you added bees and elephants <laughs> you know there's like not a ton of new stuff in there um i personally i never i didn't i never loved the setting for four like it's a really fun game but for whatever reason it just didn't gel with me um but i'm i'm extremely excited for six too i think it's i, I have this weird thing I don't know what I don't know what makes me like this. I like games on islands. There's something yeah. I like about that. Like it, it, it. I think there's that there's that inher- inherent frustration of being like, "What do you mean I can't go any further?" But with an island, I'm like, "That makes sense." Islands are like that sometimes. I'll forgive you know it. The yeah. Limit. yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, well, I, mean, I love I'm, Link's Awakening. Honestly, yeah, like you're yeah, like exactly. this is, you know, there's a finite set of tiles you can walk on here. There's yeah. something just wonderfully self-contained about that, and also I don't know, it compels you to go inward as opposed to outward, which is um i don't know it's a whole thing but um i am um, as someone who i think dips in and out of the franchise and, and hasn't played it nearly to the extent that both of you have at least from like somewhat of an outside perspective i feel like part of why it maybe feels like it flies under the radar sort of like uh brian to your point is that after three because three was like such the acclaimed hit it felt like at least in the marketing every game after was trying to tell you how it was like three um, right for better and worse and so it was like here's the villain who is like Voss but isn't Voss here is the you know the the lush outdoor setting that will be part of it um here is the political but not political story that's at the heart of it I, I feel like it got buried under a lot of the like how does it compare to three conversations often which is mm-hmm. often what kept me away from like oh I heard four wasn't as good as three and it has a lot in common so I, I just skipped four I'm sure there are great parts of it like you were saying you, you've enjoyed your your visit back to it but it was just something like oh I heard it's like three okay I'll move on uh, oh five kind of muddies the water with it, its story okay I'll move on right I think they also they uh, may, maybe maybe people like this for this reason but I feel like this is not the the primary selling point like this is obviously the sexiest part of it to be like we've got this incredibly well-written villain and it's all very you know edgy and and it's like kind of you know it's mature storytelling and like you can see they're continuing this they got you know John Carlo Esposito playing the villain in the new one which is which is great but that's not why I play Far Cry you know yeah. like I, I play Far Cry because I want to like trick a, a wild boar into biting someone which is funny to me and then i will ride away on a stolen jeep which is on fire like that that level of like kind of uh emergent gameplay craziness is like really that's what it does so well but it's also that's i think a lot harder to a lot harder to market um yeah. without just seeming like you're just throwing a bunch of shit and sees what's seeing what sticks I think um, what what ford does in terms of what you're talking about is really interesting and uh in that Troy Baker's pagan men is sort of consistently more annoyed with your actions and he will radio radio into you and to be like, you just blew up my base. You son of a bitch. And I'm going to, I'm going to come kill you and stuff like that. I think that's a good way to do it. It's sort of just like, um, marry your actions with this kind of subtext of like, all right, I just went on this massive crazy killing spree. I threw bait into the middle of this base camp and uh, a tiger attacked everybody. And then I got in this crappy little uh, duct tape helicopter and flew away and it went <laughs> like, and I'm throwing bombs on people and stuff like that, blowing up his convoys. And then he calls in to be like, why did you do that to me? I hate you. I'm going to kill you. That, I think that's an interesting way to do it. But I feel like the, um, the uh, Joseph Sneed stuff they did in the, in the next one. Um, I, I feel like just five was such a weird step back. It also, it's a franchise with all these bizarre diagonals, like uh, blood dragon works really well because it's, it's totally assertive in, in how completely insane it is. And it's also three to five hours long. Whereas far cry primal felt like um, an interesting experiment and a nice deviation from the norm. And I was sort of uh, 
I'm, I'm kind of impressed at the way they were able to find parallels um, to make it like sort of, you know, uh, Fred Flintstone versions of all of the contemporary <laughs> Far Cry tropes. Um, but then there's also all these weird DLCs they do from like the Valley of the Yeti to like the weird Vietnam War stuff. And a lot of it just is all over the place. It doesn't mesh. But then underneath all that, there's like this custom, you know, create a game mode where some fans like recently built the entirety of Goldeneye. Like, it's just, it's so crazy. And I just feel like there's so much here that's cool, but it's so all over the place, but also samey that it doesn't really, it doesn't really have its place in like the, you know, the video game hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't have like memorable, I mean, as memorable characters, it doesn't have a memorable like universe because it's each game is as the namesake, like it is a far cry from the last one. Like it's always, it's always a crazy different new place that has a lot of, you know, it's a it's a wacky setting it's a you know it's a virtual tourism in a sense where you can do whatever you want um but you know it's that double-edged sort of like i personally uh i don't know i always hate the abstergo um you know illuminati stuff in in assassin's creed like because if you jump into one of them and you haven't been keeping track of what's going on you're like what did i miss who are these who are these normal regular humans in like polar fleece vests who i have to play as for a while and i'm like i I just assume be like give me a game where you're a Viking or an Egyptian guy or ninja or whatever, like whatever, like, let me, you know, I'm, I'm down with like the, like I know what an Assassin's Creed game is. I'm happy to jump into it. And I appreciate that Far Cry is all kind of, it's doing its own thing. Like every game is, it's, is encapsulated. And obviously there's like returning, you know, side characters and familiar themes and things you have to climb to unlock areas of the map. But like, it's, I think because it isn't, you know, it doesn't have this like serialized through line that there's not, maybe there's not like a pressure for people to stay up to date with what's happening in that, in that universe um i don't know it's maybe that's sort of the appeal to me is that it's there's a sense of discovery there because every every game is a new is a new thing to a certain degree even if some of the mechanics are familiar it's more like what is this place what's going on here yeah Yeah, i think they they live and thrive on their settings right yeah and you do get that shit like as i I was saying i i jump in and out and like when i jump in i love it like i i have a blast um i uh, even going to your point brian like i i weirdly admired the bit of primal that i played for its attempts at like putting modern ideas and conceits into the idea of riding a woolly mammoth and beating someone over the head with a bone club like (laughs) it it tried its best but yeah there there are times where i think the scattershot nature of it also does make it feel like a franchise that if I miss it for a couple of years, it's fine. Um, right. But when I do play it, I, I I love it and play for, you know, 30, 40 hours and, and have a blast with it. I, I'm excited for six. Like as of right now, I I think the setting can lend itself to to a lot of great possibilities. It seems like, as as we're all saying, like it being on an island, I'll yeah. have like a general sense of the space of it, which I really appreciate. Giancarlo being in the game is definitely not a, a bad side to it. Uh Chorizo the dog looks adorable but yeah mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where the dlc that's going to bring back all the villains like i, I don't really care about like that right. season past yeah that's that's like familiar acid trip stuff which is like again it's sort of okay that's not what i just signed up for yeah mm-hmm. I, but like I, I get it to a certain extent because the, the villains are the things people know about this franchise and that also allows them to plan ahead for what the season pass is like people may love parts of far cry 6 and maybe they'll pivot and do some dlc around it but they can't account for that they do know people yeah. love Voss and and pig and men and, and joseph seed at least like as as like touch points for those games people know what they relate to and so it's it, easy to blood, blood dragon is like a singular thing and i was totally expecting that to become annualized or repeated in, in the way that so many you know ubisoft things are but to have like a short standalone far cry game built in the same engine 
we've gotten, you know, we've got like the Valley of the Yetis, we've gotten the the weird sort of Far Cry Five spinoff stuff, and now the thing with New the Dawn, villains. Yeah. But but it's never. Oh yeah, New Dawn was kind of that. That, but that was. I mean, that was trying out a whole like. It was like a, almost a literal repaint of. It Far was Cry yeah. 5, it was right? it was a weird call, and like the thing that made. I don't know. The th- I love Blood Dragon so much because it didn't take itself seriously and it didn't overstay its welcome. Like it was such a bizarre little, you know, experiment. And I was almost like, what does this look like if you try it? What are the different flavored versions of this? Like, what if you do, you know, you do like a, a I don't know, a medieval version, like because that one did the sort of neo neo futuristic vapor wave. That sounds amazing, right? Like <laughs> that would be that'd be wacky. Like, and I mean, we got we got caveman. Yeah. <laughs> right? if primal was a five hour thing, kind of like Blood Dragon. Yeah, right, would be more right. fondly remembered. And it's as it's bittersweet yeah. because like I liked I liked Primal to a certain degree. I thought it was it did some really interesting stuff, but it also I I don't think I finished it because I just I didn't I didn't care. There's just like cavemen yelling at me and, and with subtitled caveman language, and I was like, okay, that's cool. I got a bow and arrow. This is fine. Mm-hmm. And it was. You know, I, I guess at that point, there was definitely sort of like franchise fatigue because like three was amazing, blew me away. Blood Dragon, more of the same, but completely kind of reimagined and, and shaken up enough that it was that it was interesting. And also it was short. It's like five hours long. And then right. four came along and it was so much of the same with like little tweaks. It was like, you know, very familiar. And then by the time Primal rolled out, I was like, I'm I'm good. You know, yeah. Um, one thing I about about five is like. I feel like it didn't really gel with any of us. And it's like, it's definitely well-made. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we live in America and like the marketing was very much hinging on sort of like eh, some American politics that maybe don't really, don't really gel with everybody. But it's also like, if you live in, I don't know if you live in France, like that's probably like a crazy exotic location to go to. But if, I mean, if you, I mean, if you live in, if you live in Nepal, like playing Far Cry 4 is probably like the same thing where you're like, okay like i guess like i'll mm-hmm. go f- climb a fake mountain that it looks like ones we have here um yeah well, like yeah also the timing of of five just in relation to where our country then went in the preceding yeah years. yeah like, that was if if you need an escape from uh politics far cry five was not the best place to go <laughs> right and yeah. i've said this i've said this before but like the, there was a lot of conversation around five that sort of being like this skewering of trump republicans but far cry five is one of the most sort of like overtly you know uh gun like gun proud games i've ever played like you run around with a with an assault rifle that has an american flag on it and it's a blast you know like it's it's like no pun intended like it's it's i think that that game sort of celebrates a lot of a a lot of the stuff that i think a lot of like sort of more liberal people were expecting it to skewer my issue with five is that when i go to these games um i want all of the sort of systems to be completely insane and not necessarily in familiarity but when we were doing press interviews for five uh and i brought this up with the with the people i interviewed the other day i was like you you i i asked I asked you guys a couple of years ago, like this game takes place in Montana. Famously, that's where there's tons of dinosaur bones. Like, will there be dinosaurs in this game? And they were like, we actually got that very stupid question a lot because I think a lot of people were just like, so you have what cows and like turkeys like that's this is boring. Like what I love about four is that there are so many different animals in that game. It's insane. There's honey badgers and goats and there's monkeys and there's I hope tigers we get- and I hope we get a Florida one. I feel like Florida yeah. is just going to be like floor floor cry is just going to be like oh my god. Just yeah. I mean, yeah. Got all the animals. Got you need fan boats, I think. Do we have fan boats mm-hmm. for that? I can't even remember. There should be. Yeah, I feel like fan boats yeah. are in 3 and then 
You, yeah, you could put fan boats easily in a, a floor cry. As you, God, mm-hmm. that's going to just be the name for it now. Um, anyway, it is also interesting. We are getting just because we were going back to talking a little bit about like, do people feel like they're connected to this world in this universe? We are getting a, ne- a Netflix anime for Far Cry as well as a Blood Dragon like six episode anime. Uh, these totally forgot about that. I think a also few they back they made a June. they made a Blood Dragon Trials game too. Oh right, which yeah. We always forget about. <laughs> It's it's such a strange franchise in terms of as as you were saying, Brian. Like it feels like it can be all over the place, and that's perhaps why it does go under the radar. But when it's really right. fun, it is really really fun and engaging, and and is sort of the prototypical thing we think about for a lot of these Ubisoft open world ideas. So I'm I'm excited for six, like especially if we see some other open world games like Horizon Forbidden West, perhaps not come out in 2021. I feel like I'm going to be spending a lot of time. Uh, hanging out with Giancarlo and and just seeing what that world's up to. But I, I'm glad you, you've both been sort of in revisiting the franchise, still finding the stuff that you love about it so much and, and it bringing back those memories because I'm, I'm really looking forward to six. For yeah, sure. thanks for giving us a place to yell about it. Of course. Uh, what What is the show if not a place to yell about things? <laughs> uh, and any other games briefly that either of you have been playing that you want to touch on? I jump back into Hitman and I love that nice. game so much. I love it. Um, there was there was one mission that I just I hadn't done. Like I basically I played through three, fell in love, bought the other two games, went through, played all of them. And I think it's the last maybe the last mission in two or one. I don't know. It's but it's a resort. It's on an island. There you go. And it's, it's, it's interesting because for whatever reason, the way it starts you out, it's like kind of, um, I like, I, I had a really hard time with it. And I think it like starts you off with like less access to weapons or crap or something. And I I was like bashing my head against one particular route. And I just eventually didn't, I didn't rage quit. I was just like, man. And then like walked away, didn't touch it for a while. And I just, I jumped back into it and I was like, I don't think I don't, there's a whole part of this. I didn't check out. I went like creeping around in some bushes and then just, messed up this server farm and then poisoned a bunch of people with like vomit gas. And just, I had a, I God, I love that game. And I just, I'm so excited for whatever they do with James Bond. I really hope it's like just even slightly on par with Hitman Cause this, this series is just, Oh God, it's so good. Um, I also, I I've been occasionally jumping in to do the elusive targets, which are like the, you know, limited time. You only get one shot. It's now or never mom spaghetti on your sweater or whatever. Kind of just, you got it. You got to do it. Like get the, get this one person, you screw up it's gone forever and the most recent one was a pair of twins but you could only kill one of them and if you hurt the other one you were in big trouble and i was like oh boy i gotta find this needle in a haystack i gotta track these guys down they're creeping around this you know pastoral italian beach town i'm gonna i'm gonna track it and i like go around the first corner and they're just like standing there taking a sightseeing tour or something and i was like oh well that was easy and then i like like a weird pervert just like crept around by their by their bottoms and was like looking at their wrist because one of them has a gold wristwatch and the other doesn't i was like i gotta find the guy with the watch and i'm like <laughs> they didn't they didn't care like they were completely unfazed and i was so used to like i don't know killing high profile targets who are just like if you go anywhere near them they're like 18 guards are like get them but these guys were just walking around and i'm just like i basically just walked up right next to them and then it's like shot one of the guards and tried to shoot him missed the other guard starts shooting at me I just shoot the guy in the head and just take off running and then get in like one of those little Mr. Bean cars and then drive off. And it was like, I, you did the mission in like three and a half minutes. You get no stars. You're an idiot. And I was like, well, I can't do that again. Loki, one of the funniest video game franchises. I don't think I really realized that until the it's new one so came funny. out. so funny. But yeah. it is so, like, I think you can play this game 
perfectly and meticulously and just be a hitman, right? But also there's like there and even before you get in like the clown costumes and dressing like a, a complete buffoon, like there is so much stuff that you can do in this game like this, like that that just makes it just makes me laugh so hard. Every now and then I get so incredibly excited. You just mentioned it. that the, This team is working on a James Bond game. Like, that is so awesome. I keep forgetting that's happening. Between that and, like, Bethesda making an Indiana Jones game, it's it's kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. th- th- that's two big projects to be really excited about. Yeah. Bond I mean, it's kind of... You go ahead, Max. I was going to say, like, I, I hope that they keep the sort of sleek and very stylish design of the newer Bond movies, but have some of the sensibilities of, like, the, the older Roger Moore ones. Because if you wind up with like completely, just completely wingnut nonsense gadgets, like what you do, you get exploding rubber ducks and stuff like that in this game. But if, but at the same time, if it looks all just like hyper stylized and just like, oh yeah, like this is a cool, this is a cool guy who has sex, but also he's got a jetpack in his briefcase. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Very dumb. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was just like it, it, talking to the idea of like, you can play these games, the Hitman games super meticulously and be the best Hitman in the world. And you can also do it like an utter buffoon and still win like piling bodies in a bathroom like that. <laughs> uh, like there's so much variety there. And I think that does speak to Bond across the ages of like, you can get this more serious side of it. And also the wackier side where it's, as you were saying, like jetpacks and jet skis and the moon. And, and it, like, you can just go to such crazy heights. I feel like they can find that balance really well and like i think back to older bond games i actually like never played goldeneye growing up but nightfire was a really big touch point for me right and and, like i think about how those were very you know like first person shooter cinematic campaign games and like yes there's a place for those with bond but i really want them to lean in the direction of a hitman game like i want them to do what they do well and i feel like that's the reason you go to them for a bond Right. I mean, what, one of the first things that happens in GoldenEye, the movie, which was recreated in the game, is that James Bond pops into out of a vent and kills a guy in a toilet. Like, that's funny. If you don't think that's funny, I like I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's killing a guy in a toilet in a suit. Full suit is funny. And like they put that in the game. And I just I feel like there's like this, you know, there there's a comedy element to James Bond that's always been there. Um, and just like it's there for Hitman, it is such a perfect marriage of IP and developer. But yeah, I can't wait to see what well, they're doing with this. My whole thing is if if you made if you had Agent 47, like literally just say the names of the achievements or the challenges out loud after doing them, you've got a James Bond game. Yeah, because he's yeah. like, you know, there's one where it's like if you if you take a I don't know, it's like if you poison a, a hot like a hot sauce shot or something or you just take a, a, a shot of hot sauce. It's like it's like 47 on the Scoville scale or something. It's like which is just so it's so. <laughs> It's so corny and I love it's it. It's got that know? Peter Parker thing, right? Where he's got like the goofy one-liners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's such yeah. a great balance. I, I need to go back to that one. That's just one of those things where it's like you can get lost in a level, especially if you're bad at it. Like you can get lost and just be in a level for hours, which is really right. fun. Yeah. But it's like a thing you, you, I kind of feel like you need to give a lot of time. It's also, it's super duper forgiving with, um, with saves coming. I mean, yeah. which is totally cheap as hell. But basically if you save before you try something completely stupid, and you actually pull it off, you'll get the achievement or whatever, you get the challenges. And then if you reload it, I think it basically, like you can basically, I think you can kill a dude like four times over and on the same save, sort of. I, it's, I don't know, it's a whole weird thing, but like, it's the thing that really worked for me is basically leaning into my failures and yeah. being like, not trying to play it super, super well and stealthy, but was kind of like, okay, I'm going to go in here like kind of a klutz. I'm going to be more of like a Mr. B and then a Mr. Bond, you know, let's, <laughs> let's do this properly. <laughs> 
it, unless you do both of those. And yeah, it's it's such a great example of what they're able to accomplish. I, I can't wait to see what they do next with Bond. But yeah, it's I, I keep forgetting Hitman was like a game that came out this year and is one of my favorites. Right. But yeah, it's a really great time. I need to go revisit that this summer. But uh, anything else you guys have been playing before we wrap up that you want to give a shout to? Nothing off the top of my head. Yeah. Wolf, Wolfenstein. Well, our audience won't care, but I'm ready to give Skyward Sword <laughs> another chance this weekend. I am too. I keep forgetting that's this weekend. I definitely am excited to do that as well. Uh, I have just been continuing. I've I've not been great at sticking to anything, so I've just been playing some embargoed stuff I can't talk about. Nothing huge, but just some fun stuff we can talk about in later weeks, and then just continuing my Fortnite and personaing. Just really yeah. not been able to like stick into anything too much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll we'll have plenty to talk about as more games release as we get into the fall. Uh, August, as we mentioned, we'll have Ghost of Tsushima and Kena uh, Bridge of Spirits. So it's actually going to be a bit of a busy month for PlayStation before the fall rush hits. Uh, but that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, Brian and Max, anything you want to plug this week? Uh, uh, God, it's been busy. Um, I helped Relic and Sega announce Company Heroes 3 yesterday. We did a whole presentation for that. That was fun. I interviewed Suda51 yesterday that's gonna go up soon and then there was and then i did a i did a big piece on uh metroid that we're publishing i believe tomorrow so keep an eye out for that um it's tomorrow too yeah (laughs) i've been doing the weekly uh cannon fodder series which um uh jesse gill writes and produced and i then he has me go in and i add a bunch of dumb jokes and we have a ton of fun with that show and it's just uh, like we've been doing it for every episode of loki we did one for black widow i don't know what happens next but we'll be doing one for that as well um and if you've been i don't know if you've been keeping track of these shows and just want the sort of um the sort of dorky color commentary and all the weird background details that is the show to go watch yeah i've i've been really enjoying them especially as like a a very tightly produced like here's the recap if you need it and here is the the easter egg and supplementary stuff you guys have been doing yeah and if you if you don't watch those shows and you want to pretend that you do that's also a great loophole because we spoil everything and then we do it real fast and then you can act smart with your friends even without spending 30 dollars on disney premiere plus platinum sapphire access or whatever it's called that's the full (laughs) name yeah no you got in one i i I really love them especially as i have definitely checked into some other uh, Easter egg videos that are like an hour long. And I'm like, why am I here for an hour? I just want to know who that background thing was. And, and you guys get to it very well. It's very funny. Uh, they're really great. So definitely go check those out. Uh, but why yeah, do, you have I to don't... Dis- do I have to diss my hour long Easter egg videos like that, man? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know how you find the time to do that on the side, to be honest, but you, you keep doing what you do. If you guys want to see I... a great hour long Easter egg video. My mom hit all sorts of plastic eggs and Cadbury delights in the backyard. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do a real time Easter egg hunt. I'm going to see if I can find them all. And then I'm going to come inside and eat them out of my pastel basket i, I did that with I my kid that. on easter this year but i only bought 12 eggs so i just kept following behind her taking her out of the basket oh. behind him again it was, oh. it was like oh is this is it these are how the devs ex- extend the gameplay that's <laughs> it's like a yeah you're roguelike easter egg <laughs> A, a producer would love you because you were being very cost conscious. That is. A yeah, it was like, it was yeah. like a like a really grindy mobile game. <laughs> uh, well, if any developers want to reach out to Brian for uh, help on producing uh, asset use in their fo- follow up 
games, you know who to contact. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, I do want to just put out just a general. <laughs> you're on your director's cut. Yeah, bring in Brian. Uh, I do want to just briefly mention, I had mentioned on Twitter, just in the sort of fallout and kerfuffle of all the like PlayStation Indies discussion and whatnot. And I do know some some developers do listen to the show. Uh, if you have a game coming out in the future on PlayStation that you want to talk about uh, to a PlayStation audience and people who love talking about games, uh, feel free to write in to beyond at IGN.com. I'd love to talk to some more indie developers on the show, have them on talk about the games that they're making, uh, why they're so cool, because there are so many different, varied, awesome indie games coming out. Uh, and would love to be able to put the spotlight That's, where we can. That sounds preferable to spending 45 minutes talking about whether or not Kojima likes the word director's cuts or whatever. <laughs> hey, it was only 30-ish minutes. <laughs> anyway, thank you all so much for joining us for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Normally, we publish every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Unless, of course, Sony surprises us with a Thursday state of play, as they seem mm-hmm. to like to do. And we uh, will be know. publishing a three-hour version of this episode in September. We're adding race cars and ramps, um, so keep an eye out for that. You can also look forward to my Easter egg breakdown of the show, <laughs> including all of the games that all three of us leaked throughout this episode that you'll find out about in the future. But uh, otherwise, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle, and Max is at Max Scoville. Thank you both so much for joining me for this episode. Thank you, as always, to Red, our producer, for making the show happen. And thank you, everyone out there listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. This episode would not be possible without the support of our listeners, patrons, and sponsors. If you'd like to learn more about supporting the 3-Bit Gamer Show, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash 3BG. And a huge thanks goes out to our boss-level patrons, Jeff, Christopher, and Patrick. This week's episode of the 3-Bit Gamer Show is brought to you by HelloFresh, Casper Mattresses, and ZipRecruiter. At HelloFresh, we take the stress out of cooking. Instead of going out to the grocery store and buying vegetables that you just let rot in your crisper drawer, HelloFresh will send you individually packaged vegetables that you just let rot in your crisper drawer. But it's better, because we make more single-use plastic waste. Did you say waste? At ZipRecruiter, we wouldn't even exist without waste. Are you an employer who wants the first touch point with your potential employees to be extremely annoying and frustrating? Then just sign up for ZipRecruiter and we'll ensure job applicants not only have to upload their resume, but also individually fill out a form with all of their prior job experience anyway. Oh, now will the form be extremely clunky and hard to fill in? Oh, you know it will be. In fact, at ZipRecruiter, we enable you to frustrate applicants in all sorts of new and wacky ways, like asking for their high school GPA or the home addresses of their references. Guys, 
You know what's really wacky? Naming an online mattress seller after a ghost. <laughs> but seriously, guys, check out Casper, a mattress company that has literally bought every single mattress review site on the internet and openly manipulates reviews. So you never actually know if you're getting a good mattress. Oh, but it's still pretty likely I'll get a good mattress, right? Just buy one and find out. You have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, and you can return your mattress yourself because nothing is easier than using your hands to repackage a mattress that was packaged by a gigantic machine. (laughs) Boy, that sounds like a great workout, Aaron. Sure is, J.D., just a shame you won't have a mattress to rest on after. <laughs> You've just logged into the ZipRecruiter HelloFresh Casper Mattress 3 Big Gamer Show. Welcome to the 3 Big Gamer Show. I'm JD. This is Peterson. And Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> You guys asked for ads, so we went out and we just got like as many podcast sponsors as we could. Uh, we might have more throughout the episode. I don't know. You just have to tune in and find out. Live from the Three Big Gamer Show, the news. All right, our news this week is brought to us by Crave Cookies. Crave, Crave Cookies, guys. Crave Cookies. I told you this is the same. So I, we're recording on Saturday, so Trent has not refreshed the the menu quite yet. So I apologize. If you want the updated menu for this week, uh, you'll have to go to Crave Cookies. But I guess I will just be broadcasting from the past now. This is what you missed last week by not going to Crave Cookies. This is this is a new one, right, Peterson? Look at us getting creative with our ad reads. Yeah, this is here's what you dumbasses missed by not going to Crave last week. Oh wait, no, you what went the, the fuck other way. Are you thinking? Nope, that's the wrong way. Sorry, you, you get too guys. Excited. You really blew it. You, sorry, I can't. I can't adjust the tone. The <laughs> I'm just saying that they had the lemon bar back, <laughs> which is Peterson's jam. Uh-huh. Peterson didn't get it, dumbass. And I, then they I'm had... so sorry. I can't drive down there for 30 <laughs> minutes every every week to go get crave cookies. It's and not I even that far. I know a guy that, that tells me that's I not even sorry. that far of a drive. Just a two hour commute. <laughs> two hour cookie yeah. commute. <laughs> Every day that you work remotely, Peterson, you should budget all the time you'd spend driving to work and drive to Crave instead. Guys, you missed out on the Crave birthday cake, which is great. It has a brownie and a cookie. But seriously, I finally went and got the Mega Muddy Buddy. Um, I talked about it last week, but I actually went and got it. Mother of God. If he doesn't leave it on the menu this week, he is just letting money just like fly away because this thing is so good. It's got the checks in it, like he said, and it's. Trent's peanut butter, I don't know what it is. Never in my life growing up have I ever liked a peanut butter cookie. You know when you got the Miss Fields? Yeah, yeah. Whatever the ones that came in the package with two cookies. Yeah. And they'd have a variety pack at school. And the the peanut butter were always just like sitting there. People were like, I'd literally rather not eat a peanut butter one. Than eat the peanut butter one. Yeah. And I so that I always just hated peanut butter cookies. Something in just changed. Like Trent's peanut butter dough just speaks to me. And that's what he uses in this Muddy Buddy. And, and then he covers it in like the Muddy Buddy chocolate sauce that you make in the microwave. <gasps> God, so good. So you guys blew it. You missed out. He blew it. Better, better, don't do it again this week. Go to CraveCookies.com and figure out what they uh, they have. Okay. 
guys, the news this week is good. There's some and, good stuff in there. I mean, good by our standards, bad by like general human standards. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we have to be clear. Good for us is bad news. We in, we love seeing some crazy bad stuff. Yeah. Rarely on this podcast are we reporting on like uplifting stuff that went super well. I've got one in there. I've got one in this myriad of garbage. Mm-hmm. There's one good story in there so because i gotta say folks without like human suffering and misery where would comedy be there would be no comedy so (laughs) what are we supposed to spoiler alert things are about to get a lot funnier for humans constantly (laughs) this week was really funny you guys (laughs) oh my god no funny funny. shit happened to this island in the ocean that doesn't exist anymore okay so here we go this is this year's creepiest headline and it comes to us in july tencent deploys facial recognition to detect minors gaming at night. Tencent is this huge gaming company out of China. They They own everything. 55% of the gaming market in China is Tencent, just solo, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, Pretty, also pretty crazy how much the American game studios are willing to prostrate themselves in front of China for what essentially is scraps. Because that's just one Chinese gaming company, and you think the rest have a probably another good chunk of the gaming share. I guess it also speaks to how good the big the gaming market in China is that they, those scraps are worth, I don't know, just selling your soul and making crappy games. Anyway, sure. this is only applying in China, so... This segment brought to you by Tencent Games. (laughs) In Tencent, do you hate your soul? (laughs) Give it to us. We'll take it in your mouth. Are you struggling to parent your children? We'll do it for you. The state-sponsored gaming company will now recognize when your children are on their gaming devices and automatically turn them off using facial recognition technology. Wow, dude! It's okay. First of all, and it's facial recognition technology for underage teens and stuff for like underage children, which makes it like just a little bit creepier. Yeah, like if they were staring at me, I'm like, you know, if they're doing facial recognition on me, I'm like, I'm like, good luck. I'm sorry sorry you have to see me like this because because if you are looking at me gaming, I'm gaming on my phone, and you're looking at my face, dog, you're watching me shit. Straight up, and that's I the only time I'm playing phone games in my nose. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, is that accounted for? Myself. I am absolutely picking my nose and shitting. So fucking enjoy. <laughs> uh, and how would they even tell if they were a minor? To be honest, uh, oh, some people I... just have baby faces. No, I think it's you. <laughs> Dude, you like you he keeps kicking you off, and you're like, I'm 28. <laughs> Dude, it's a it's a verification uh, facial verification system that is linked with big data from the central public security system. That's how dystopian China is. Oh, my gosh. China's like living that like dream of (laughs) every every three letter agency in America. Like, God, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that they watch like every face and every futuristic show where like uh, it scans your face and then it like tailors the billboard to you as you walk by. China yeah. was like, dude, this looks awesome. China's like, that sounds dope. That. Can we get that now? And they're like, yeah. I mean, like, if you're this awful. This was supposed to be a bad idea. And they're like, I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't love Anyone it. Anyone who refuses or fails the face verification will be treated as a minor and outline, as outlined in the anti-addiction supervision of Tencent's game health system and kicked offline. Oh, my gosh. So if you're, you have to register, when you register an account, 
you register, I guess, with your like real information and name and 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 mm-hmm. and birthday, which is crazy because I think Steam and a lot of other gaming services believe that I was born in 1911. <laughs> it's so crazy it goes back that far. <laughs> it's super funny. It's super funny to find to go back and see how far back you can set it, and then see what the error message is when you go beyond it. Because sometimes they're pretty funny. Like oh, sometimes really? they'll be like, "Are you really that old?" I've never tried. Oh yeah, I just always put like uh, I switch the month and the day, and then mess up the year, that sort of thing, just so I'm because I, I don't really want to put my birthday no. in there. No, no, and no one has my real name. I've stopped using my real name for like any service. So, but apparently in China, that will just automatically flag you as a minor and just like turn off your game, which is super At dope. Ten p.m. Ten p.m. to six a.m. That's like the gaming window or 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. And this is all a reminder. This is a to attempt to battle gaming addiction in Chinese youth gamers. Um, it's also pretty funny. It's They've got some wacky pseudoscience scientific theory that it's also leading to nearsightedness in yeah. Chinese people. No, you know what's leading to nearsightedness is giving people glasses and it's no longer like an evolutionary deterrent. So people with bad eyesight are still in the pool and that's what happens. That's why everyone wears glasses. It's not the video games, you morons. It's the video games. The crazy thing is I was looking into like, what games are these guys playing? I don't know. Like what are the kids playing that they're so late at night and they're so addicted on their phones. Mm -hmm. I hate staring at my phone games, like more than a couple minutes. It is stare at Reddit. Like the rest of us. Yeah. It's, Put it in a vertical mode and swipe with one thumb and click on things every once in a while. That's the game you should play, idiots. No, the guys, they're playing, they're all playing Honor of Kings. You know, Honor of Kings. I've never heard of popular mobile game in the entire world. Honor of Kings. You haven't heard it, but you certainly would recognize it because it literally is exactly a one-to-one clone of League of Legends. It is a mobile League of Legends using all the same art assets, all the same uh animations all the same everything it looks like the map it looks, looks exactly, exactly the same. like it the, the jungle is the same the bosses are the same everything the characters the are the same i watched a character that looked literally the exact same character model as ari from league of legends the hilarious part is that i was like wait how what guys tencent owns league they own riot games they yeah. own league of legends <laughs> and the thing is this is so funny is we now live in a future where the knockoff chinese games that are knockoffs of other games are legitimate knockoffs because they just bought the studio that made that game and then made their knockoff legitimate it like it it's it looked and played exactly the same guy I'm, I'm not we're not exaggerating can't, it is the exact game. yeah and riot games yeah exactly who are you gonna sue so riot games complains to them guys they, like, hey hey and they just come back and they're like uh we'll change it from league of kings to honor of kings happy now and league of legends is like oh yes very happy thank, thank you so you. much allow me to refix my lips to your asshole yep mm, i'm so sorry oh my god dude, dude it's so crazy it's <laughs> so crazy so yeah uh that's <sighs> I don't know, dude. That those those connections are eerie when you see Tencent doing things like this, but they fully own American game studios. Like, we're not that far away, folks. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. All right. So, uh, some other. Ha- this is this is actually fascinating. Apex Legends hackers have filled the the game with messages complaining about Titanfall hackers. These are uh, Apex Legends is. 
a uh, battle royale that was produced by free, EA free and to Respawn, play free to battle play royale. and it got really popular. They released a little bit after PUBG and um, uh, Fortnite, mm-hmm. and it everyone's like, "There's no way that the market has room for another like triple A um, uh, uh, battle royale." But turns out they did, and they did, people yeah. love it. People this love Apex different, Legends, different enough to where it was like it's fun to play. So uh, they uh, hackers have filled the they've there's just these pop up messages that are now showing up in Apex Legends. Um, it's not across everything. And some people don't see them on consoles. I think it might just be PC only. Mostly but these PC. are messages from another game made by the same studio, Titanfall. Their community, the community mm-hmm. for Titanfall. So this sent me down this rabbit hole. Like, why is Titanfall sending up these these like flares? in apex legends like please help us like which is so weird and dystopian as well that sounds like an episode of black mirror right there where the game community of one game has to like infiltrate another game community to get help (laughs) to like pop up help me i am stuck inside this that's like that's like ready player one stuff but i'm like okay so that's interesting so i go digging into this and guys holy shit titanfall is this Multiplayer game. This was the first game that was made by the guys, the original guys behind Call of Duty, um, Jason something and Vince Zampanelli. Um, these dudes were like the originators of the big Call of Duties, Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and then 3. And they left, I think, in the midpoint of 3. And then Activision wrapped it up. And they left and founded Respawn Entertainment. First game they made was this game called Titanfall. Uh, Spencer loved this game, right? I think yeah, he's Titan, it he was ton. big into Titanfall. This it's was a, a go ahead. Xbox exclusive, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so the, the idea, one. it's yeah. it's really it was kind of a cool concept. They just took Call of Duty and like cranked it up to twenty. And Basically, also, you could drop a giant mech from the sky if you did well enough, and it would you it was your Titan. And yeah, you'd jump into it, and then you're fighting mm-hmm. in this giant. You don't mech jump now. into it. It reaches out and grabs you and puts you in its belly. It is so tight. Yeah. <laughs> and so, then Titanfall 2 came out. Uh Titanfall 2 has what Pete, some people say is the best for a uh, single player campaign for a, uh, like a first person shooter. Like the yeah. the multiplayer was okay, but the single player was phenomenal. So these are very beloved games mm-hmm. and what I came to find out that is so insane, Titanfall 1 is the multiplayer is entirely unplayable now and has been for years. Like you can't get into a game because every single matchmaking instance in the entire game is instantly, automatically, instantly filled with bots. Every single instance. Why? A single hacker has done this. A single hacker has managed to somehow hack the game and inject code into the game <laughs> that makes it do this. And what's insane is they still sell this game for $19.99. You can still buy Titanfall on Steam. You can buy it anywhere. You can buy it on Origin. Uh, you can probably find a hard copy of it. And you could boot into a multiplayer game and it just won't join because every single slot will be filled with a bot automatically. And they haven't done anything about it. So whatever. They release Titanfall 2. They figure, forget it. They they literally never try. And they have tried. They've tried a couple of things. And then this one hacker will come back and just like tweak a couple of things and his thing's back. So Titanfall 1 is out. Titanfall 2 is where everyone's like, okay, we'll hang out here. Hopefully that dickhead won't come find us. Oh, he'll come. Oh, he'll come. So what happened is that instead of the, it was a different tact 
because they it was a different game and they set it up differently. But basically, this same hacker is DDoSing every single streamer in the game automatically in Titanfall 2. <laughs> and so this happens automatic because there's a blacklist of all the popular streamers. And so it doesn't. And the, the funny thing is the modding community of Titanfall 2 made an ID protection mod. So like it and they're using VPNs. So. This is not a traditional DDoS, right? Because if you're if you have a VPN and your your identity, so your your uh, IP address is is hidden, there's like no way to DDoS you. But this guy's doing it because he DDoSes the whole server. <laughs> so any ser- any streamer that's on this blacklist target of theirs, if he jumps on or if he or she jumps on a game, everybody in that server will get pinged. Their ping will just climb until they're kicked out, and then it's over. Dude, that's so wild. Here's what's crazy. Now, this is speculation Wait, that's from not YouTube. That's the crazy part. Well, kind of. You're like, why? The question is like, why? This is so fucking hateful. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is so crazy and hateful. The only time that respawn will ever work on these issues is when they're like, re- when and you can time these fixes that they release uh, right around the same time that Apex Legends has a release. So it, they just put the PR machine into overdrive. They don't want people. If they're going to release a new Apex Legends thing, they want people to spend money on. They don't want a part of the another one of their game's communities griping and bitching about how they just left them to languish and die at the hands of hackers. Because Apex Legends, if there's hackers that infiltrate that, they're screwed. Yeah. So the idea here, this is the rumor, the rumor mill. Um, this is, okay, so here's my source. Oh, JD, this is good QAnon sourcing. Uh, watched a YouTube video. And in no. the YouTube video, the guy included a screenshot from a Discord conversation where he had censored out the name of the person, but he claimed this person was uh, 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 very entrenched in the community. Wow. Of I know, wasn't very that good? And now course. you folks are listening to it on a podcast, so make sure whenever you tell anyone or relay this story, you fill in all these gaps and explain <laughs> to them that your information is very legitimate. Yeah. You got to do some research. Guys, the call is coming from inside the house. That's what everyone (laughs) thinks. Everyone thinks there's someone either contracting at Respawn, knows somebody at Respawn, works at Respawn, that is doing this because apparently the DDoS is so sophisticated that some chode that's just like fucking hacking video game servers, uh, who's generally, you know, these are just kids that do this stuff because they grow out of it or get caught by the FBI. The guy or gal that's doing this has to be connected to respawn that's the theory oh wow and so if it it's comes just spiteful out, it's just yeah spiteful they're just, they're just spiteful i guess or yeah i mean i don't know it's gotta be it could right? be any reason like a disgruntled employee that's like that has a good and i guess this this youtube video also went into the idea that um their the server architecture is uniquely like enables this and the only way to fix this would be to completely like overhaul the whole game. So this isn't like something they can fix and they know they can't fix it, but they're like, it's just wild that someone is regularly and routinely exploiting this with such sophistication. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Wow. One day, one day we'll figure this out and it'll be on, uh, you guys think I should do a true crime podcast, right? Yeah. My sourcing is immaculate. Absolutely, do you can trust every fucking thing I say. Could we send? Could we sell this to Netflix? 
We can Jeez. definitely sell it to Newsmax. Uh, okay, so this is something I put on the dock is Trent Chum, but Trent didn't make it this week, which is fine because JD did way too much looking into this shit. He got like really excited for this episode, you guys. For real. I got jacked. So World of Warcraft. Well, it's because we're recording in the middle of the day. Yeah. You got me in my you got me in my peak, you guys. Normally it's I'm recording. It's too hot like to do yard work. He's usually out there. Just cranking building away. something or pulling some stuff up, and no, he can't do any of that. So now we get all of that energy. We get all the yard work energy. You guys get yard D. Uh, <laughs> lucky. Uh, uh, so World of Warcraft's latest cinematic is a narrative disaster, and players hate it. This is uh, an article in PC Gamer, but it's something I've seen reflected. I saw on Reddit like way before this article was written. People were pretty salty about it. Yeah. Um. And I wish Trent was here because I love Trent's perspective on it because it's always so cute. He's like, I just wish they would do this. Like, why do they keep fucking He's up so the story? Hopeful. I really like them and I really like this character. Why do they keep doing her so dirty? And it's like, if her character entire her character's entire history is shitty, maybe you don't like that character that much. You so... want to like Sylvanas Windrunner, <laughs> but at this <laughs> but point, you, you don't can't. know if you should. So, uh, the most. So the last God, were we at BlizzCon when she burned down that tree, or was that just like another a recent BlizzCon? Dude, I can't remember. It, it's been a while. It's been a couple years. Yeah, I feel like it's been a couple years. So, um, uh, I'll try to boil this down as skinny as I can. World of Warcraft. Uh, it's a fantasy game, and there are two main factions that you can choose to play on: either Horde or Alliance. Alliance are you know, on the face, the good guys and the horde or the bad guys. But everyone, you know, it's not like people are like, oh, I hate playing the bad guys. It's like, yeah, well, it's, it's just it's, like it's like the human human looking looking and the factions versus the monster looking factions. Right. And sometimes the monster factions are sick. They do have different storylines and yeah. they do different missions. Yeah. So you guess it. Is this wrong to say that you kind of get two different games if you play someone of each faction? I have no idea. No one would do that, though. Like, people just pick one, and that's their faction, and they play with it. So, um, the stories bounced all over. It started a little smaller scale, like, in the early early game. Like, it was hard to kill a single dragon. But as the game has gone more and more crazy, and they subscribed always at Blizzard to what was called the rule of cool. Like, eh, it's oh, cool, yeah. so fuck it. We'll just do it, because it's cool. Um, and they got away with it, because everyone's like, well, yeah, they're right. It is cool. Even though it makes no narrative sense, it's pretty cool. So they've gone from like barely being able to kill a dragon to like killing the the lords of all existence and time and all this other crazy <laughs> shit, which is so funny because at the end of the day, you're just some like human character with a poison dagger poking him in the leg. Get over like, here. Let's boil this down to what it really is. So that's what people have been into. Whatever. It's, you're like that... triggering some wow head. Wow. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, without called. Trent here, I have no one to correct all the nonsense you I'm making up. But, but you, you can join a party of 60 other knife wielding maniacs stabbing. That's how you bring angle. down God. Yeah. A bunch um, of hobbits stabbing God in the ankle. Yeah. I think so, that's what World of Warcraft is. So Sylvanas is this cool elf looking chick. And she has a bow, and in every cinematic, she's doing cool stuff. Like her arrows just appear on the bow, which is cool. Yeah, like she does well, she's a banshee. She's a, she's yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah, she's she's missing part of her soul. And uh, so, at some point, a couple years ago, she took over the horde. Yeah, and she's now the leader she's of the horde, the leader of the bad guys, and she and did a lot of, of bad guys. stuff. Like she did a lot of really crazy bad but, stuff. But it was like whatever. But then all of a sudden, a couple years ago, she burns down. 
this like the night elves you guys don't care about this but you have to pay attention the night elves like tree like homeland it's like there where they live and she burned it all down killed millions of them so basically sylvanas who's leading the bad guy characters that you know they all they're bad guys but they like they have a their it, their side of the story is told and kind of makes sense. Like you understand their motivations. You do not understand Sylvanas' motivations. Like why did she commit a genocide? We don't know. And they're like, have fun playing the expansion to find out. And you play the expansion, you don't find out. So people have been waiting for years and years and years. Expansion finally comes out. They play it. And this is what happens. This is why Sylvanas committed genocide was apparently she was serving and helping out the game's version of Satan guy came named the jailer who was was he holds the souls hostage or something or i don't know yeah and if you guys remember the lich king like he was the guy behind the lich king so this guy's like super uber powerful yeah. and he's like a godlike character and sylvanas this whole expansion has been helping him collect the infinity stones i mean the arcane stones <laughs> he's not thanos well he's almost certainly a thanos character who's collecting these stones to make himself so powerful that he can rewrite that uh, reality original. to suit him yeah it's super original but it's cool right wait and then the very last minute after you are fighting him he wins the battle he takes control of all the powerful characters that are trying to kill him and then at that point sylvanas is like wait no i changed my mind and then tries to shoot him with an arrow okay but can i just stop you real quick that trying to shoot him with the arrow was the lamest thing i've ever seen normally sylvanas would like she'd you know you'd think oh do some cool dive roll shoot the arrow up she, no, she just, she just like there. stands there two feet did not move she mm-hmm. stands there pulls up her bow shoots this like a slow motion arrow the, he caught it like a second and a half later mm-hmm. it was bizarre like the whole thing was so it looked like they didn't want to animate sylvanas they're like and eh, we don't have time for this whatever just have her shoot the fucking arrow it that's what it so says in the weird. script have her shoot the arrow and so she shoots the arrow. The guy catches it. And he's like, what the hell? You're... And she's like, I won't serve you, even though I've been doing it for the last couple of years for no reason. I changed my mind. And he's like, OK, well, that's fine. And then here, have your soul back. So he gives her back. What the fuck? Like, what? What? He gives yeah. her her soul back. And then he just releases all the people that he had at his mercy who were just trying to kill him. And then he just portals away. It's like. It's like they watched Infinity War, like Avengers Infinity War. And then they were like. You guys remember how that ended? And one guy was like, vaguely, and they're like, okay, well, you'll write the story then and make it that. Because they're like, Thanos like portals away at the end and leaves everyone like, what the fuck, right? And they're like, yeah, have him do that. And they're like, but why? And the 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 green chick turns against him. She was on his team, and now she turns even though against she's been him super and evil and just committed Gamora. a genocide at a couple yeah. of years ago and yeah. never explained why. And then she just changes her mind at the last yeah. minute. Uh, I don't know. It seems so they're doing here, some like they want to be star wars and the avengers at the same time like they're holding on to the same characters and it's all about this it's all about the skywalkers yes and then they just they just do so many things with them to where it's like this doesn't make any sense anymore what right. is luke skywalker doing that's not what he would do right and that's what they're doing with all these characters like what are they doing and the bad guys get bigger and bigger to the point where it's like ridiculous. you said, they're fighting a, a a time god, Thanos, who can shoot ships out of the sky with lightning bolts. Something like that. 
Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that's so, I'm glad you spoke to like the larger issue because the reason that I wanted to bring this up is not just like some niche world of Warcraft. Oh, it's the idea that the, the story that they've been building up to for the last couple of years, like four or five years of character development of this one character just resulted in nothing. And so it's like World of Warcraft, which I guess is not like totally story driven, but, you know, people do care about the story. They just don't even care anymore. They're just they're just phoning it in. They're just writing it like lost. Just like, I don't know. I just I think it's a I think one of the things that I did see that people were bringing up that I really liked was they're like, the problem is that it has to keep one upping itself. And then where do you end up? There's only so many named characters in the, and now they're like reaching right to like the super Satan guy, the jailer. And at what point are you like, okay, there's no guys left. And so people have been talking about, they're like, the game needs like a soft reboot where you like travel 20 years in the future or something when all this, and then there's like new stuff and there's new characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They need a classic. Version. They can't do that though. No one at, no one at blizzard is case is capable of relaunching. Wow. So these guys are just like reaching behind them and trying to draw on what all the great developers and designers did that came before them and now have since left. They're just trying to copy that and kind of make it cool. And they're, it's a really sad imitation. It's, yeah, I'm curious how long they're going to be able to keep this up. That's what I want to know. I feel because... like people have not been happy f- with WoW for... But they keep buying it. A few years. They're hoping. They keep yes, it. but this is a pretty gnarly because they finally had to. After years and years of teasing people, they finally had to explain like what was going on with Sylvanas. And just like Game of Thrones, they're like, and then suddenly Danny burns down the whole city. And you're like, what? wait, what? Wait. They're like, what? well, we, had, we only had three episodes left, so we had, she had to do something. <laughs> so uh good luck to the poor saps at blizzard that are like uh imagine trying to fill all those footsteps of all these incredibly well-known and well-recognized storylines that people like played through and they watched the cinematics revealed at blizzcon and just like peed their pants with excitement and now they're getting this shit now they're getting sylvanas standing heeled toe just like shooting an arrow at someone Boo. <laughs> um speaking of disappointments uh-oh uh, Peterson, you do this one because you let you're invested in how great the Switch is. And the okay, the Nintendo Switch. They've been teasing the new Nintendo Switch. Like we've been talking about this for what two years, mm-hmm. and then and then there has been leaks and teasers. We're gonna get this new Switch. It's gonna be incredible. The Joy Cons will be fixed. It's gonna be in 4K. Right. Yeah. We've heard all of these rumors. And then Nintendo finally came out and they did their announcement uh, of the new Switch. What's it called? I don't even know. It, it's it's calling the Nintendo Switch OLED. Is that really what they're calling it? That's what it said to, for what it's for what it's yeah, called. It's calling yeah. the Nintendo Switch, Switch OLED. Yeah. Um, and so it's nice. going to be $350. It's, it's in October. Essentially, it is a... Uh, a Nintendo Switch, it's it's the same thing, but with a little bit of a. It's going to be a little little bulkier. It's going to have a, a little bit of a better screen. It's going to be a little brighter. Uh, the sound is better, and uh, onboard memory looks like it's uh, sixty four. Yeah, the onboard memory is sixty four gigs. That's like the uh, that's that's the standard, but that's it. Like there's, it's not 4K, right? No. Um, they haven't fixed the Joy Cons. 
that's like not even Unchanged. been a part of this. They didn't even do a single tweak at all. So this is bizarre to me. It's almost like, what's the point? I it's not enough. So I'll speaking for myself. There might be like, I mean, I know there's Nintendo fanboys out there who want everything, but for me, this feels like why my current Switch works fine. Mm-hmm. It, like, is this? I I wouldn't go get this. I wouldn't. This isn't enough of an upgrade for me to care. Uh, also, look from my point of view, I'm not even interested in a 4K Switch. Uh, that's not really why I play the Switch, right? I'm not playing it for like killer graphics on a handheld device. I'm not super interested in that. I like the games that Nintendo puts out, and they don't need 4K graphics. And that, that I know there's going to be people that disagree, but that just seems like it's going to die real fast and get hot real fast. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think it needs 4K, but they did need something more than just a screen upgrade. Uh, the good thing they did ha- they did include a LAN port on the back of the Switch case, which is nice because that wasn't included on the first one. You actually had to have had to have an adapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do it or the Wi-Fi, but the Wi-Fi it, it sucks. Like you can never get fast internet on the Switch for whatever reason. That's true. So that's nice, but yeah, it's yeah for for the long wait, it was very lackluster. And for kind of the buildup, I guess maybe that's part of the yeah. problem. And it too. wasn't Nintendo. That wasn't Nintendo's fault. No, to be that fair. wasn't Nintendo. But like <laughs> that was gamers' fault. People were like excited for it. You know, like okay, here mm-hmm. we go. Switch 2.0. You know, they've changed. They've upgraded it. They've made things better. The Joy Cons are better, etc. And I feel like the major issues were not necessarily addressed. It was just like some minor things, like some minor tweaks. Which is fine. I do think they'll put out another version of the Switch. Uh, Nintendo loves doing that. They just put out version after version after version of, of their current hardware. Uh, that's fine, but this one feels, I don't know. It, it's I just don't know who the market is for it. Who is the market for it? Like you said, like hardcore people that already have the Switch. I mean, I guess they might want it. First of all, can you even get switches still, or is that still an issue? No, I think you can find them. They're either easier to find than, than a PS5. Yeah, and even actually, I just saw a news story that said PS4s and Xbox Ones are even hard to get now. So I don't know. Just don't wow. buy any. I guess we don't play video games anymore. So you just don't this, buy stuff. <laughs> is this replacing the old model? Mm-mm. No, this, this is 350, and then the old model will still be on the shelves at 300. Okay, yeah. that, that's like what is that? That's that's fine for a 50 dollar upgrade. Yeah, 100 get the 50 dollar upgrade. Right. If I needed a switch, if I was going to yes, buy my first fair. switch, totally I'd be like, fair. yeah, I'll just buy the 350 version. Like that's and you should. Fun. It's vastly better. Like, yeah, yeah the screen alone, it's going to be a really nice looking screen for sure. Well, like, and the, the memory even. Like, yep, you're going to spend I don't know 20. 25 bucks on an upgraded memory card anyway for the base switch so like it's already worth it i'm not gonna i'm not saying it's not worth it it just seems not worth it if you already have a switch with all that stuff yeah like i'm not gonna go trade in my switch to get one of these because why i don't see the reason for it so no, don't trade in your Switch because you will not be able to find one of these for at least one year. Uh, <laughs> it, they, everyone's like, oh, I'm so disappointed. Fuck you, Nintendo's the worst thing ever. They will be sold out 
within one minute. It doesn't matter. Boycott it. it because it will be sold yeah, out. You <laughs> can't boycott. It doesn't fucking matter. The scalpers aren't going to sleep on this. They don't. Dude, give we could just all say I'm boycotting it. It wasn't good enough. And just the real reason is we couldn't buy one even if we wanted to. I'm currently boycotting a new GPU and a PS5. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, principal consumer. Those guys. Uh, so, speaking of no principles, Ubisoft has acknowledged their toxic work environment is a, quote, risk factor in an annual document. But first, a word from our sponsors. With HelloFresh, we send vibrant new recipes to your door. You never have to worry about meal planning again. Don't take my word for it. Just hear what some of our valued customers had to say. Hey, yeah, uh, this is Terry. I just recently subscribed to HelloFresh, and oh boy, oh boy, was it great. I, I really love the ability to customize all the recipes, you know. Uh, for, for example, my, my fresh spring rolls, it had carrots, but I don't like carrots. So I just didn't put the carrots in. Actually, my next order also had carrots. I submitted a complaint, and I never heard back. I'd like to speak to a representative about the carrots. Hello? Hey, my name's Rodney. So I got drunk and I ordered like $1,500 worth of aquarium equipment one night. So I said, f*** it. And I needed some fish. I heard about this site, Hella Fish, from my friend and put in an order. Can't wait to see what kind of fish I get. Thanks, Hella Fish. You guys are buff like me. You get sick of throwing out all the rabbit food in all your meals. Well, with HelloFresh, it's great. They send you everything packaged individually so you can take all the vegetables and throw them right in the trash where they belong. And then you can just eat all the protein raw like a real man. HelloFresh! For an exclusive offer, visit HelloFresh.com slash 3BG slash promo code slash 15% slash 3BitGamer slash Bidiots slash Hello.Fresh.com. Fresh you later, Freshy Gators. So Ubisoft has this uh, document that I think they make every year called the Universal Registration Document, which is a 350-page report on the company's health and well-being. From what I could glean, did you? Is that what you got, Peterson? Yeah, that's what it seems like. It's a long document, though. It's like a small book. It's meaty. And a lot of it they do repost. A lot of it's going to be just copy pasted from last year, sure. uh, which is actually interesting because uh, you make it highlights the changes quite a bit. Uh, some of the changes include this. Uh, I'm just quoting this is uh, Axios, which is, by the way, Axios Gaming. What the F? That they've got uh, Steven Totillo who was the old editor-in-chief of Kotaku when Schreier was there crushing it. And now he runs Axios Gaming, and they have a newsletter I signed up for. So I'll report back on if that newsletter is any good. But I don't know. They did a pretty good summary of this report, though. Uh, Quote, in mid-June 2020, the group was struck by a movement to denounce toxic and sexist behavior within Ubisoft's teams, which was relayed by social networks and the media. This is actually from the report. Although Ubisoft has taken this situation very seriously, making every effort to remedy it, and it has demonstrated its resilience, the group cannot provide an absolute guarantee that this type of risk will be controlled. So, put simply, without all the business jargon bullshit. Yeah. Uh, what does it say? 
the yeah yeah here we go ubisoft got shellacked by the me too movement because it is filthy starting from the top with disgusting sexists and bigots uh and even though they did fire some of those people that weren't directly related to the founders it didn't do anything big surprise and we don't think it's going to do anything long term and and they're yeah they're saying essentially guys it's hard to change that and we don't think it's anything that we've done, even though we think we did our best. We don't think anything's going to help. It's Well, hard. that's a nice defeatist attitude to approach the fucking problem, you chodes. And it's like a real problem. This isn't like, this isn't like, oh, uh, uh, you know, we, everyone at work, everyone at work spends too much time on the internet or something. This or people like are some, stealing office supplies. Yeah, no! It's not some dumb little problem. It's like, people are... Uh, sexually harassing their coworkers, which is like, this is a real issue. And they're like, it's, I don't even know if we're going to be able to change it at this point, guys. Guys, like, it's just, it's just who we are. <laughs> so some more bullet points from Axios. Uh, the report also upgraded the risk of failing to quote, attract and retain talent from moderate <clears throat> the year prior to high. So I, I do want to talk about that because this part <laughs> killed me. Uh, they say the document notes how a toxic work environment could make it difficult to retain talent. <clears throat> could. After Either they said leaving, they cannot stop the toxic environment. People leaving because they're sick of the harassment or they're fired because of the zero tolerance policy. So they're like, guys, it's been hard to keep people on board. For some reason, people don't like being sexually harassed. And when we address it, so we lose the people being harassed, and then we have to get rid of the people doing the harassing. How are we supposed to keep anyone around? It's a catch-22. You can't make everyone happy. I was like, yes, you're supposed to get rid of the scumbags. It's, you, it's, I wish you guys could see Peterson's pleading the <laughs> HR face right now. It's the face he has uh, in every meeting with some one of these assholes like, why did you have to say yeah. all those things to her? Why? It's, you didn't have to say that. We can't get rid of all of the scumbags. <laughs> Who's going to do the work? The uh, scumbags are some of our highest performers. And for some reason, people don't want to come here now. I don't get it. It's Dude. hard to change, you guys. Dude, for the scumbags, sexual harassment is a perk of the job. And you are removing job perks. Of course they don't want to work for you. Now the scumbags don't want to come because they know they'll probably get fired. <laughs> The good the people don't want to come because they know they're going to get sexually harassed. I don't know what to do. We're at a loss. We're, we're not going to be able to fix anything. We cannot provide an absolute guarantee this type of risk will be controlled. Um, it listed uh, its approaches to mitigating that include, quote, mandatory training. This is from the thing. Mandatory training on harassment and sexism. The signing of a code of conduct. Improvement of the company's whistleblowing platform and tying portions of management pay to improving company culture. First of all, improving company culture. That is the most nebulous, oh subjective God. thing I have yeah. ever heard in my life. Fuck you. That is a non-starter. And you <laughs> know it. You're just putting it in there. Because they have what does to. that mean? They feel like they have to. You're going to give managers bonuses for improving. So basically, you're just like baking in another way to give middle managers more money, and that's your fucking solution? Or you know, not give them more money. Or right? not, because, yeah, and then you can just be like, oh, you didn't improve culture enough. Guys, none of those things on that list did I see anywhere. Uh, consequences? <laughs> uh, no, they're going to do no? a training, which, let's be honest, everyone has to do all sorts of trainings, and, and they do, they have almost no impact. 
So they do a sexual harassment training or whatever. Fine, whatever. What was the other one they said? Um, they had sexual harassment training, and then they had uh, man um, signing of a code of conduct. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, nothing makes people perform better than signing a code of conduct. Here's the, So actually, so Boeing has a code of conduct that we sign every year. And it's really funny because, like, you have to sign it or you can't work there anymore. Um, but I get complaints every year. Every time something goes wrong, they're like, people are like, I'm not signing the code because the senior managers of the company or, you know, whatever. It all it becomes <laughs> it becomes almost like a morale destroyer. If they have to if everyone has to sign this code of conduct saying we won't sexually harass, we won't, you know, do all these crazy things at work. Uh and then they see them happening and nothing's happening like nothing's no one's being punished for it. it it's it's worse it's worse off and that's what i see happening yes. they're like let's just put a code of conduct in there and then what the second you have one executive not getting terminated for sexually harassing someone because they're you know we'll be sent them to a training they'll be fine like the code of conduct is means nothing at that point and i give it a year and a half before the code of conduct at Ubisoft is garbage. It means nothing. I mean, you guys, you guys rem remember, uh, gosh, it was just a couple weeks ago that I was talking about that French newspaper, Le Telegram, that was reporting how nothing has changed at Ubisoft. Mm -hmm. They're like, all the report employees are like, yeah, no, they didn't fire anyone. They didn't change anything. Everything is exactly the same as it was. Just a couple PR steps. And I love they moved that Ubisoft around. is wholly aware of it. Like they, in their internal report, they know it's going to fuck with their hiring. It's going to screw with like all of, here's another one. They said the impact was significant. Quote, some positions could not be filled immediately, resulting in delays in decision-making, postponement of expenses, or the teams concerned losing their bearings. Uh, to help address this, Ubisoft is creating lines of succession for senior roles, including creative directors and producers. Holy shit. Can we unpack for a minute? Wow. So. This company has trouble because they lose senior managers because they're all they're all scumbags and, and pigs they have to fire them for the zero tolerance policy. But guys, zero tolerance Ugh. delays in decision making. Kiss my <clears throat> ass. This is this is this just is emblematic of what we were already talking about, that all the decisions that Ubisoft are made so far at the top by those five chode ass brothers and then they're like little minions that the company literally cannot work if one of those scum buckets gets fired like everything shuts the fuck down because like without that like problem. psychopath like marauding through the studio just dictating what the game does nobody can is allowed no one's allowed to make decisions until like you like make a line of succession what that that's how you influence your culture you make people feel empowered to make a decision instead of having to run it by the single point of failure, apparently, uh, yes. where if that person's out, like no decision will be made. Dude, Maybe they just brag about having a Ubisoft has a completely flat culture. This yeah, is everyone's this except is what for the we one guy talking the top about shits on all of you. We keep talking about we talk about this a lot. And I think it's like this video game story of our decade, to be honest, is how poorly how much money these huge companies are making and how big they are and how poorly they're managed. This just talks, this is mentioning, this is outlining all of the ways this major company, this is a huge company 
is poorly managed, which is hilarious, right? It's hilarious and sad because they've got thousands of examples of good companies, big companies who makes lots of money, who are much better managed than them. But it's video game guys. And they're like, no, we've made a lot of money doing this one thing this way. We're fine. And Mm -hmm. we're going to grow exponentially for 100 years. And we don't have to change anything. And these companies are in a bad spot. I do think it's the gaming story of our decade uh, because it will change. And it will change quickly. And it will change drastically. Well, it's so ridiculous because you can look at, like you said, big studios that are managed well, like Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Look what happens when you manage a studio because they're obsessed with with business and business management and how their business runs and have been for decades. And they apply those principles. Uh, I mean, not to say that's always gravy, but uh, like basic things like not letting your like sexual assault employees just run rampant and giving them more power. Uh, generally, that's like a bad management principle. <laughs> Typically, then, I mean, yeah, you never know. I mean, that's the thing is like people, I don't know. Anyway, they base, one, they base all their decisions off of the uh, U.S. prison system, I guess. I don't know. They're like, well, what are the what's the prison system doing? Let's do that. Let's that's what do it feels that. Like, <laughs> well, they've got they got better potato chips than us on the outside. Um, exactly. one last thing I that that Axios noticed in the copy paste section that jumped out from last year well was while 2020's document boasted that the company's board benefits from the quote long-term presence of the founders mm-hmm. a reference to the ceo and his four brothers on the board the 2021 document notes that the board is quote mostly independent and 40 percent female hmm, looks like they kind of know the problem yeah they know the problem they are not going to address it or fix it but they know they're aware do you guys think we're the baddies? Oh, you're the baddies. You are. Uh, so keep it up, Ubisoft. You are just heading right to the shitter as routinely one of the worst places. This is like, a, is this a year or more that nothing's changed there? It's been over a year. And I guess it's the exact same thing at Riot. Riot's been a couple years now. Uh, but Riot's a Chinese gaming company now. So it's like, hey, play by different rules. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> Who do they report to? Yeah. There's no, there's no Le Telegram reporting in China because you would get your get sent to a fucking camp. So also your uh, game gets banned in China and then you don't make any money. So right, right, yeah. and then you get sent to a fucking camp. Uh, okay, so JD's right. Say that. Play that clip. Play the JD draws Nostradamus clip. Nostradamus JDS. Guys, okay. Game Boy Color is getting a new video game and it's currently up for pre-order. Hell yeah. I called this years ago that I we might see uh, a small trickle of cartridge games making uh, resurgence because they were cheap to manufacture back in the day. And getting a bunch of plastic things and cheap chips, dropping them in a cartridge, it's not the most expensive thing. And by the way, if you sell it for this game for $60, this game is $60, then you could definitely do it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like a it's like a niche, a hyper niche market. I'm stoked they're doing it. So this game is called Pine Creek, and it follows the disappearance of a young girl from a quiet town, and it's aimed at a mature audience, which is tight, um, for Game Boy Color. Uh, and then the folks in the da- da- town believe her disappearance has ties to a cult and other ritualistic killings that have been happening in the area. 
and it'll be up to you to figure out what's going on. It's like four hours long. Game Boy Color. A fresh Game Boy Color release. Like, this is super awesome, but it doesn't seem like you get that much game for 60 bucks. Yeah, four mm. hours is kind of short, right? Very yeah. short. For 60 bucks, dude, I'd buy that. If this was a Steam game, I'd buy it for like six. Yeah. Eight. Like to 999. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, here's the Which thing. Which is too bad because like it's super awesome to have to bust out your old Game Boy Color. I literally just found mine the other day and I'm kind of excited. Uh, to be fair, this does come with the cartridge protector, the project protector, the whole sealed box, the manual, and uh, some stickers and stuff. But no, it's still pretty pricey. It's they're not going to look. They're not going to make any money. Let's be honest. This game will not make any money. You'll never hear about it again. It's a fun thing, but look, you have talked about this for years now, and I've been a naysayer the whole time. I'm continuing my naysaying. This game, you'll never hear about it again. It's a, it's a, uh, this is just a fun little thing to talk about. And you know what though? F you, Peterson. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. They are being so upfront about this. If you go to the site where the pre-order is, literally on the specifications, it says playtime three to four hours, replayability low. Yeah, you like put that there, and then you can just play it on itch.io for free. So yeah, Peterson, the people that buy this game are not going to be people that are buying it to play it. They're going to be being people buying to support this specific thing because they want to see more Dude, of this. Dude, all and 12 of them will buy it. They're going to buy it. Oh, really? You're going to buy it, JD? Stupid. You know what, Peterson? When <laughs> the studio that makes old Game Boy Color games buys this podcast, you're going to feel like a real dumbass. This, this, and you're going to have to apologize to our new to masters. Nintendo <laughs> Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color, because we're all playing it again, I guess. It's well, and back. they're selling, and they're selling a collector's edition. The collector's edition is eighty nine ninety nine. <laughs> And I don't know a limited red seal box, a limited red game cartridge. Is anyone collecting this? Of course, it's limited to two hundred copies. Oh, yes, and they're still available. So okay, it's not that. <laughs> okay, let's let's yeah, so let's move on. That is, I'm I'm stoked. More Game Boy the color though. We're gonna have that. Um, okay, Peterson, you do yes. These are uh, all yours, actually. This one's so good. Okay. Uh, our favorite game, Aaron's Aaron's personal favorite game, Marvel's The Avengers, uh, at a bid to have people come back to the game, they're bringing in a new Captain America skin, baby. Oh, they're not making is, the game better? Oh, no, just a skin. And it's oh. sexy Captain America. <laughs> oh, yes. Shirtless cap. Oh, Nips out. Nips mm. out. He's got a little. He's got a little belly hair. I think. Uh, it it looks great. Um, yeah. So I, I don't. I don't think that was the problem with the game. To be, wait a <laughs> second. No, you're wait, wrong. Hold on. I, hold on. Yeah, you're wrong. Ask Aaron. He knows what the problem was. Guys. So, so there was this. a problem. No, no, there ahead. was a problem with Captain America's skin with with the World War Two version. The like when you put it on, the it face went stupid. like super nuts. It was like taking Play-Doh <laughs> and stretching it everywhere. Nice. And so Plastic the one man. thing that was missing was a good Captain America skin. Well, Because nobody wants to play the regular Captain America. It's still missing because, guys, please, both of you go click on the link in the dock. 
and watch the little video on the tweet. He's got his shield. Okay, he kicks. He has a shield. He slams it down, cracks his knuckles, kicks up the shield. He has no shirt on, mind you, and then sticks it to his bare back. It's it's literally like clipped onto what? his bare back. What? You see this? Yeah. Why did they? No one. How did this get approved? It is clipping onto his. He doesn't even back. have like a like a like a harness or anything on his back or anything. No, he just, nope. There's not it like just... a magnet on his back. <laughs> Clips a magnetic to his spine, back. I guess. Uh, oh, that makes that makes more sense, dude. Some I don't think the skins are the mind. problem with the game, guys. Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to bring people clamoring back to the game. I think they just need to put more single player content in it is what will bring people back to the game. But no, we're just going to get more shirtless characters. I want a shirtless (laughs) Iron Man. He's got the helmet, the arms, tits (laughs) out. He's 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 got helmet on gauntlets and then. But he's showing off his his, his circle thing on his chest because that needs to be shown. Oh, yeah. He's got he's got his uh, arc arc reactor out with with, like veins coming out like he's been like doing drugs or something. Yeah, summer Tony. Yeah. But like the Captain America, he's not even really like super buff because he's a super soldier. He's supposed to be like super strong. Yeah. But he's just like, oh, he's been going to the gym for a year, you know. It's like he he's a buff fine. guy. He's like a buff guy, but he's like an average strong guy. Right? He looks right. like a he looks like a 45-year-old guy who who works out not hard, but he works out. That's what yeah, his body got looks some like. Definition, but <laughs> yeah, like no, Captain America needs to be super shredded. He needs to have like muscles on top of muscles. We need that cap where he's got top. the that huge... Rob Liefeld. Yeah, <laughs> big chest, no like... feet. <laughs> Dude, yeah. so yeah, this S- small this one killed me, guys. I loved yeah. it so much. It's so dumb. Um, the next one. Oh, we had talked about this a little bit. Um, but yeah, King James, LeBron James, is going to be in Fortnite. He's the next Fortnite skin in their icon series. So yeah, we are gonna run around uh and shoot LeBron James. Now, this could bring some uh, bring some I'd people mm-hmm. back yeah. to Fortnite, right? Yeah. You could, a lot of uh, Cleveland fans uh, would be in for this. So, uh, so yeah, I do think this is a this is a skin that will get people to play their game. They can shoot LeBron James, and it has been rumored that when you shoot at him, you, whether you hit him or not, he will fall on the ground and roll around, a la. He's like professional soccer player. Yeah. Oh, like just a flop. Yeah, he yeah, he does okay. flop periodically. So that is a downside to the skin. You could be running. You just shoot near him, and then he flops. Yes, over. and he flops under the ground. Okay, there are no refs. He uh, he doesn't understand. I think there are no refs in the game, but he's going to try to appeal to the referees anyway. Are you vaguely excited, Peterson, that this sets a, a precedent that gets us at least one step closer to you being able to shoot Carl Malone oh, in some form or another? Okay, okay, yes, <laughs> yes. If I even saw one person in the lobby with a Carl Malone skin, I would do nothing but hunt that person down. <laughs> Follow him out of the plane and just hunt them. Oh, I would hunt Carl think... Malone. I think this is a weird precedent to set to start putting like people like real people in a video game where you like shoot them with shotguns and stuff. Yeah. 
I feel like there are games where this wouldn't make sense, like Splatoon or like Knockout City. I think Rocket League has a million licensing crossovers because it's so safe. No one's getting You're not shot shooting real people. You're just with a gun. I don't know. Maybe Dude, I'm maybe even... I'm just a, a nudge. I don't know. JD, this isn't even precedent setting. They already have. Let's see. The latest yeah. skins I saw were uh, two professional soccer players from England's team because of oh. the Euro Cup that's happening right now. Uh, yeah, so we've got two England players in there already. So yeah, maybe, you can just go Dude, am I them. just a Weird. stupid baby? Like, when I see, like, sponsorships with Rick and Morty, I'm like, have you guys watched that fucking show? Like, did you see the, the episode where the grandpa has, like, spiritual sex with his grandkids? No dude. one... We're we're gonna do a sponsorship with McDonald's though. Anything. Like, the, listen, what? Fortnite will bring anything in. They're bringing in rap. So there are there are there are emotes that I see kids using all the time that are and they're dancing and a rap song will play mm-hmm. and it's bleeping out words and you're like, did you have to choose that one? Like it's it's a it's a fifteen. <laughs> yeah, what the. F- it's a 15-second clip with, like, two F-words in it, and they're both bleeped out, and you're like, come on, we know what they're saying. They've got Rick. Rick is in there. Guys, Rick is not a, a like, a fun... If you've watched Rick and Morty, he's, he's like got a, a good fun character. character. Yeah. He's awful. Dude, John Wick is in there. That's like a... See, John Wick fits. He fits, but, like, oh, wait, my no, kids wait. aren't this allowed to Fortnite? watch John Wick. This is all in Fortnite. My kids are not allowed to watch John Wick. It's a very adult movie. Yeah, I so I'm yeah, like, have them watch the knife scene in the second one. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, this is God. why they'll put anything they in Fortnite. Anything. I guess I just don't. I guess I don't understand licensing anymore. I I must just be a. a I'm a Puritan. Yeah. Look at me. Nope. I'm a Puritan. I. I, I want You're officially my... old, JD. Welcome. Is that what it is? Welcome I'm just like an old club. idiot. Yeah. Because my kids <sighs> like talk about John Wick. Uh, John Wick, right? Because of Fortnite, they have no idea. They've never seen a movie. I don't even know if they know it's a movie, right? But like, they've yeah. talked about John Wick it's before. Fortnite, it's cool. Yeah, it's in Fortnite. That guy from Fortnite, John Wick, the Fortnite anyway. guy, LeBron Kill James me. from Fortnite. It's just like uh, all the dances. Oh, the Fortnite dance. No, it wasn't a Fortnite dance first, yeah, dude. No, everything is a Fortnite thing. Everything's first. Fortnite now. It's and all then culture Fortnite. steals from Fortnite, and it's predicated uh anyway so our last thing this is something that i like to do you guys know my sales report but first another ad oh man a freaking zombie broke into my house what do i do has this happened to you Well, if you're a gamer like me, you know that sooner or later, it's bound to happen to all of us. Oh man, that sounds bad. Like, real bad, man. Like, what can we do about it? (laughs) Well, don't worry, because Simply Safe is here for you. Simply Safe will call 911 for you if we detect a zombie break-in. Wait, you're you're not going to install, like, steel fire doors or hidden shotgun drawers or something? What? No, Simply Safe is all about home security and giving you a sense of total security in your castle. But, but man, if you're not actually providing any security, won't the zombie just infect me and my loved ones before the cops even arrive? 
well. And then, like, when the cops arrive, won't it be my family? And then the original zombie versus the cops, which will probably just infect them and then add the cops to the horde? Well, yes. Assuming the police are still functioning during a zombie apocalypse, I mean, technically... Dude, I don't, I don't know. I don't think Simply Safe is going to help against zombies. Just go to Simply Safe and sign up. Because they're one of the only companies that give podcasters any money at all. Head to simplysafe.com slash promo code slash 3BG for a free 30-day trial of Simply Safe. But seriously, use this promo code to sign up, or we'll just drop our sponsorship of these guys so fast. We don't freaking care. We're freaking Simply Safe. We're on every podcast you listen to. Simplysafe.com, FDIC insured. Uh, JD's video game business report. You that isn't a segment you've done before. You just started it right I, now. No, I've done this. <laughs> I do this all the time. I uh, also gaslight our listeners, guys. Peter's Pokemon Go, <laughs> Pokemon Go has made five billion dollars to date. Um, that's mobile game. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yep, that's the equivalent of two Mars rover missions. That is so much money. Yeah. And it, I don't remember. I played it for I don't know a year. Was it didn't it for seem, five years. Yeah, it did not seem that monetized when I was playing it. So I feel like, like that's a crazy amount of money for a game. Like I understand when they're like, yeah, Clash of Clans makes a billion dollars a minute. I'm like, yeah, because yeah, that game is just it's behind a paywall. It's assaulting you with ads nonstop. But Pokemon Go didn't really feel like that, so that's kind of cool. Maybe oh, it yeah. is like that now. Maybe it's really trying to force you to buy stuff but i never felt the need to buy anything i think because you weren't far enough along i think and i don't know i think you're buying things like uh like energy and stuff energy and better pokeballs so you can catch the legendary stuff like you can get all that stuff for free but yeah if you find like a legendary pokemon and you don't have a pokeball that can catch it ooh, that's not good okay uh well yeah that's kind of crazy way to go pokemon go uh, all right, let's do some kudos. 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 Okay, kudos is our positivity segment where kudos. we like to give a shout out to something awesome. And uh, who's got kudos? You guys, We got some kudos this week. You guys go for it. Aaron, you go first. Okay, so I'll, I'll make this quick. Uh, so last year, uh, I believe it was last year, uh, Star Wars Squadrons came out and I had a Hard time trying to find a controller, a flight stick. Nobody was selling them. If you could find them, there was a secondhand market or they're super uh, just uh, just inflated. Like everything, all the prices were, were crazy high for stuff that's been out for like five years. I recently found this company called uh, VKB Controllers. They're, they sell this, uh, it's a Gladiator NXT flight stick. It's their base model. They have stuff that's super insane. That's like mimics fighter jet controllers. Uh, but the base model is amazing. It has uh, great springs in it. It's it's like stiff, but it, it, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's really good. It has a really good weight to it. It's high quality. It's about 150 bucks for the premium version. Uh, so it's not... A small amount of money, but it's definitely worth the price considering other flight sticks in the market. Oh my gosh, so I'm looking, looking at their website. That's like easily their cheapest one, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The other ones are like thousands of dollars. It's like four or five hundred bucks. That's like their standard. It's like that's crazy. 
Yeah, and and it's really good quality. It's it's really amazing and it's fun to play with. So if you're in the market, uh, hit me up on Discord and I'll give you the link. For real though, I'm looking at it right now and it looks like it looks legit. It, this looks like something you would see in a uh, in a cockpit I, of something. Yeah, I just want to put this on my lap and watch Independence Day. <laughs> play along with it. The, the second one. Yeah, that's the... yeah. The second one is the only one worth walking, <laughs> watching. <laughs> Eagle three, Fox one. Okay. Uh, so, so my next one. Sorry, real quick. Good. Next one. I just found this out. Wilder Myth 1.0 just launched. It was launched last month. So Aaron, if, I didn't know you were playing. You were interested in this game. I, I've been I've been watching this for the last couple of years, but I didn't want to invest a lot of time into it because I don't like playing early access games, knowing mm. that. It's just I'll I'll just have to play it again later. You'll get so sick of it by the anything. time 1.0 comes out. Exactly. So 1.0 came That's out. Fair. I know JD played it. I think you reviewed it also, didn't you? Yeah, I loved it. I didn't know 1.0 was out. Yeah, I didn't know either until just recently. So bam, there you it's go. on my wish list. And actually, uh, if JD hadn't already played it for a Dice of Destiny, I probably already would have picked it for one of my dice games. Uh, but I don't want to do repeats, and so but this game consistently looks good to me wilder myth was one of those games for me that was doing a million things i didn't ever think games could or would do they probably other games have done this in the past and i'm not talking about the combat i'm talking about like the storytelling and stuff it's like a storybook it's awesome it's so amazing it oh my god i can't peterson you've got to play it so kudos so eric you haven't played it at all is what you're saying you just watched it no i i played a a little bit. I would probably say 30 minutes of it just to kind of get the feeling yeah. to see what it's all about. But man, yeah, it's it looks awesome. I'm so glad it's out. Uh it's on is it on just Steam? It, it might be oh. on other it might be on Epic as well or it's probably going to show up on Game else. Pass in the next uh, Yeah, after you four the, the day after you buy it on Steam, it will show up on Game Pass. So it looks like it's only on Steam for right now. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's got I want to tell you the price so you know it is twenty four ninety nine. Honestly, and the dude, the reviews, all reviews, overwhelmingly positive. Recent reviews, overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. With three, with fifty five hundred reviews. So this is no joke. This game is amazing. Oh, thank you, Aaron. No problem. Um, I have a quick kudos. I posted this on our Discord server, but I wanted to talk about it too, in case you're not on there. Uh, I went to a I went to a Mexican restaurant called No Manches Way, and if you speak uh, Mexican slang, you know that's uh, I, I don't even know what it trans I don't know how to translate it to. Uh, if you speak Mexican slang, you know what it means. I know how to Peterson use it. I do, I know how to use it, and I don't know how to translate it. I think translate directly it means like no stain, but. Uh, and then way it's funny because way is spelled W A Y, and I believe when you say way in Mexican, it's uh, G U E, I think. Um, and so, uh, anyways, so yeah, so way, but they they did. Uh, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah, give us some what context. The fuck, what a tease. Like, wait, well, you want to know what they mean? What like no manches way mean? No manches is like uh, it's you would say it like oh like get out of here no way or something like that and way is like it's really informal you don't say it to people that you don't know 
it's like calling them like a it's a mean way to say like idiot uh or so it, is it like this food is so amazing like no way kind like, of thing oh like, oh uh get, oh get out of town man or something like that but like way is definitely worse than saying man like if you said it to an old granny she'd probably slap you with her chunkla so, you so know. they just put this on the billboard yeah you're getting flip-flop in the face <clears throat> yeah. and so no it's called no manches way w-a-y probably to avoid uh avoid getting in trouble but also um it's a fun little thing to laugh about they they serve mostly birria b-i-r-r-i-a birria which is shredded beef that's been cooked in like a it's almost like a beef stew and they cook it in there and shred it so it's it's very it's there's a broth that you can get. I got quesabirias, which is uh, uh, que- essentially quesadillas with birria in it. And then they serve it as a dipping sauce. They serve the uh, the broth with it. So you dip it in the broth. Mm. Fantastic. My son got birria fries. And it was it's a huge pile of French fries. And with, they cover them with the With meat. green sauce. Uh, it ha- And it has cheese and birria in it. And then uh and then crema and dude it was everything we had there was so good and everything looked good i want to go back because they've got a pizza which i'd have to share with someone it's like a big birria pizza uh and then and then they have ramen birria because it's normally a soup right birria is um but they've got a ramen birria which is kind of a new thing that's happening that they'll they make the soup and then they put ramen noodles in it. And I saw someone eating it and it looked phenomenal. So this place, I went there. Uh, it blew me away. It was so good. I loved, I love birria. So I was way into it. It's called No Manches Way. Dude, now I'm sad Trent missed because he had a Mexican restaurant too that he wanted to give kudos we'll, to. We'll get that one. Oh, man. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, mine's just a short one. Uh when I have two huskies, if you guys don't know, and it's one trillion degrees every day here, so it's not really their scene. Um, so options are either A, getting up at like 5 a.m. to go for a walker run, or B, sleeping in and going to City Creek Mall. I didn't know they were dog friendly, but you could take your dogs to City Creek and it's air conditioned oh, and it's really? a mall. And all the stores apparently, for the most part, are dog friendly. Hmm. So, yeah, I took my dogs into Foot Locker and hung out today. They were delighted. That's pretty funny. So, yeah. She I did some shoes. Yeah, that's where I got these shorts. Was was Foot Locker. <laughs> Your dog chewed on the fringe of it, so you had to buy it. I had to buy them. Uh, I love them. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. If you guys have dogs and you just need to get out and do something and you don't either can't or don't want to go to the dog park or something, Dude, go to City Creek because the more dogs there, the more fun my dogs have. London tried to catch a fish. Idiot. <laughs> they have the fish. They have a little stream running through the mall, and she's just staring at it. And she starts doing this like a cat, like trying to like paw it up toward her. It's not going to work. She's such an idiot. Um, yeah, you don't tell her that, Aaron. Uh, okay, then let's. Uh, any more kudos? Is that it? That's it. Cool. Let's move on. Guys, I want to get real for a sec. And talk to you about internet security. If you want to stay safe online, you need to be using a VPN, whether you're browsing, downloading, torrenting, or using a Tor browser to buy DMT on the dark web. So sign up with ExpressVPN, which will make sure you're safe when browsing online. Well, I mean, sort of safe. Like, 
you should probably also use a Raspberry Pi to build a DNS sinkhole to block ads and tracking on all the devices on your home network. And while you're at it, you should make sure that all the smart devices connected to your home network, like printers, scanners, hell, even your refrigerator are using up-to-date software and have encrypted connections to your network. Oh, and every single webcam in your house? Yeah, you should probably... So sign up for NordVPN so you can feel slightly less guilty about how bad you are at staying safe online. JD asks. JD asks. JD asks. JD asks. JD's ass. I don't know, guys. We're going with JD ass. JD's ass. All right, JD asks is this segment where I ask something, and the thing I want to ask is. When was a time that the story direction of a game wholly ruined the game for you? I was just thinking about World of Warcraft and this very <laughs> unsatisfying conclusion to their story. Um, and I just was wondering if you guys have had instances like that where a game story was just... You're like, I hate that game forever now. And it was an okay game, but the story ruined it. Every Call of Duty game... <laughs> Tight. Wait, what about Modern Warfare 1, the first one, Call of Duty 4? I don't remember it. Oh, I'm it sure it was so garbage good. also. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? No, you're right about every other story. No, but... yeah, I mean, it doesn't really, like, the stories don't really matter in Call of Duty. So mm-hmm. I don't think it would really ruin it. But uh, one game was Nino Kuni 2. Okay. Yeah. Nino Kuni 1 was really awesome. I like the story because it takes place of. Uh, in a real life situation of a kid that gets pulled into this alternate universe of Nino Kuni, and uh, I think it's it, the White Witch. I forget, I forget the first one a little bit. It's been so long, but anyway, um, and Nino Kuni two was completely different, a different universe, and I could give two shits about the story, and I just stopped playing because I didn't care about anything that was going on. So. Uh, that's that's annoying. Yeah, dude, was that the one? I remember watching someone play Nino Kuni too. Was it the one where you basically have like it's a turn based, right? No, it's, combat. It's 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 action combat, but there is one game mode that's kind of more of turn based style mm. with these little I don't I don't even know what they're called anymore, like little creatures that you're doing like battles with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but otherwise, like you're moving through and doing some some action combat. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. Um, mine is Leisure Suit Larry Three, the pa- third one. That's the one. Passionate Patty in Not pursuit the of the pulsating one. pectorals. Oh, that's really you know what? Called. I had a problem with that one too. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just saw that name. And uh, is that really the name of the third one? <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry Three, passionate Patty in pursuit of the pulsating pectoral. God, it is disgusting. I just literally Googled LSL three, and that was the first resort result. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, we it, don't, no. Uh, I'm not. I just wanted to say that. That's not my real answer. Um. Oh gosh, there's been a few of these. I think I've talked about all of them at some point. Um, Wildstar was one. And gosh, we've talked about Wildstar a few times. I'm glad Trent's not on because he'd yell at me. 
Yeah. Because he did like that game. Get through this. Didn't you try to play it like when it was about to get shut down? Yeah. <laughs> and then I did boot it up when it was shut down and it said, sorry, can't play anymore. And I screen grabbed that and posted it with joy in my heart. Um, so uh, Wild Star, I was excited for this game because I, I wanted to play an MMO. WoW was too much. Right, because I didn't play it at the beginning. I tried to jump in, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's so many things happening! What's going on? The cities are gigantic, and there's just like thousands of quests everywhere, and I don't know what to do." Uh, and so I wasn't in for that. So I was like, "Oh, cool! A new, a new uh, MMO that's starting up. It's supposed to be pretty big. The preview looked pretty cool." And then I get into it, right? And I'm like, "Okay, here we go." And I came into this, guys. I came into this. With an open mind, I was excited for this game. They quick- this was supposed to kill World of Warcraft. They all yeah. were. Uh, well, th- this one was really trying. This to was beat the World one. Warcraft. Well, didn't they have a bunch of WoW devs working on it? I think so. Yeah, like this was supposed to be big. This was supposed to be a big competitor. Um, and so I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to play this." So it comes out. I download it. I get my character built, and I start going into it. The story, oh, this is what my turnoff number one, the story was nonsense. I don't even know if I could tell you it now. Uh, it was nonsense, the different factions, because I'm like, what should I pick? And so I'm like looking into each of them. It was all nonsense. It, it made no sense. It was it was terrible, terrible city world building. So then I start playing it, and it never got better. The story was, I could not figure it out. What, what was going on. I just ended up picking a faction that I thought was the least despicable. Um, but again, I had no idea what that, the purpose of that faction actually was or what I was, I, I'm telling you, that was like the initial downfall for me to, uh, to Wildstar was the story was so bizarrely bad. And I feel like, it's it's a big deal to make a world, but come on. There's so much to draw from. It can't be that hard. And they just made all the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to the gameplay, which was mediocre as well, I was just like out. I There was nothing keeping me into it. The gameplay on its own wasn't good enough to keep me in. The story had me uninterested from the start. I can I can deal with a bad story if the gameplay is fun or interesting and this had neither and so man i was out after several hours of trying to like it i couldn't do it again you know that's interesting and maybe that's just just on me like my memory doesn't remember but i do remember you being out really early on wildstar but i i thought it was gameplay i didn't realize like you just hated the story that bad yeah the story initially was what took me out of it 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 was it was so stupid to me that's awesome. Um, so mine, I think some people could probably guess. Can you guess, Peterson? Red Dead Redemption 2. No, Bioshock. Oh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, that was my other one. Good. But you know what? Looking back, I still think it was like a good game. Like it was fun to play. You had a ton of fun playing it. The story didn't like ruin it for you, though. No, like, the story is what back the story it. is what made me stop playing it. I but, was right, playing did it, it. Did, Well, yeah, but you didn't. I guess I guess mine is so hateful. Okay, it's go with Firewatch. Oh yeah, I hated the I just just the ending of Firewatch. Like honestly, the last like fifteen twenty minutes, 
was so bad that it retroactively it soured made the me game hate. for you. Mm-hmm. So bad, I would never recommend it to people with any caveat. Like with Red Dead, I'd be like, yeah, go play the multiplayer, go like hunt some boars or whatever, like have fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a dope missions. game. Yeah. yeah, side missions are sick. And honestly, you could plow through the story because the game was fun enough that you could plow through it. Peterson and I couldn't, but tons of people did. Firewatch was this game where you were uh, you were playing a uh, watch a fire watchman in some forest in the Northwest. And it was kind of like, you were, you were a sad dude. Cause your wife had like early onset dementia. And then you like met and started talking to someone on the, the walkie talkie. And then some weird stuff started happening. And then some really weird stuff started happening. And then the weird turned up to 11 and you're like, hell yes. Cause the game had no real action in it. You were just like walking around and interacting with things uh, a lot like infra, which I'm playing now. Um, yeah. And, you know, Infra could go the exact same direction, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, like, no. I'm so interested in the story that if they, they could just and it seemed so complex, like it was definitely going somewhere. I had so many guesses. And then out of nowhere, they're like, oh, it's all meaningless. Nothing matters. Uh, here's some bullshit explanation that's not even really a good explanation. Uh, it seems fabricated and just shoehorned in. And now the game is over. Hope you had a good time. <laughs> Dude. Here's the thing. This game and games in general are not made like TV series. You know, when you see a TV series that has a really unsatisfying conclusion after like six or seven seasons. And hey, you're like, Game of ah, Thrones, we know what you're talking about. What were you guys doing? Or <laughs> Lost or like a lot of series that just like can't how seem I met to your mother up. Yeah, like How I Met Your Mother. The whole thing was predicated around one thing and they built toward it. But then they kind of had these ebbs and flows. And then finally they're like, ah, we don't know how to do it right. Sorry. This is not how it is with the video game. No, no. You write the whole story. You write the whole thing, and then you make the game. This this story honestly feels like if you read it as a book, you'd be like, the editor, like, where was your editor? Did no one edit this? Did no one tell you, like, oh, maybe you shouldn't lean so heavy into the foreshadowing of, like, eight different things that lead to nothing? Yeah. Because that's very poor writing. The whole game was one big Chekhov's gun, and then you get to the end of the game, and they're like, oh, that gun? Oh, that was just something some guy had on his on his mantle. But but what why did you why did you focus so much on that gun then? They're like, oh, we wanted to throw you off. We wanted you to be interested because the gameplay was really boring because you just walked around a lot. So we had a fake interest, but then couldn't wrap it up like I could think of a thousand things that they could have wrapped this up satisfying way. But it was just so bad. Yeah. I guess spoilers. So spoilers for Firewatch. If you guys want to play this game, just fast forward through a minute. Basically, you're a night watch or you're a fire watchman and a bunch of mysterious stuff happens and you find like a, a secret government base and someone's like been recording your conversations with this other fire watch woman and and posting like crazy messages with transcript of your your things in your fire watch tower. And then like it's just some other old fire watchman whose son had died in a climbing accident. And so he was living in the woods and didn't want to be discovered. So he was spying on you, but I'm like, and then like threatening you. I was like, dude, if you don't want to be discovered, don't be discovered. Just do none of that. 
Don't do anything he did in the game. Every single thing he did in the game led to him being discovered. And then at the end, they're like, oh, all that stuff was nonsense. Oh, the secret government base. That was just some listening thing that he was using to like listen in on your, your yeah. conversations because he didn't want to. He didn't. We wanted to make sure people weren't looking for him. Well, it's abundantly clear in the very first conversation where no one's looking for him. We're two fire watchmen. But the whole game and all of the drama and the entire game revolves around this guy that didn't matter. He was just there <laughs> fucking with you and nothing matters. And you get on a helicopter and leave. <laughs> love that i hate firewatch fuck firewatch worst game i've ever played that's how um, so that's how i i and i i mentioned this already that's how i felt about red dead redemption 2 i was super enjoying it i was like yeah. here we go i'm almost at the end and you, run, you leave the island or you leave the lane you go visit some tropical island and then you do that come whole storyline which was nonsense and then you come back and you're like wait i'm just Why? back i'm just I'm here, here again at the same place I was, and that was the point where I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. They're just throwing stuff in to throw stuff in. I did not care about any single character the whole time, even the main character. The story was just poorly written. The only thing they had going for it was like the realism of the game was interesting, and the mm-hmm. some of the things to do were interesting. The world was interesting, but unfortunately, they just couldn't match that with a story which would again so easy guys this is a cowboy story there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them they could pull from uh and they just they they blew it i feel like they blew it they got in their own way uh so yeah red dead for me is probably the prime example of a story that just made me i liked the game we if you go back and listen we said good things about it. We were like, this game is crazy. I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a good time. And then we all just turned on it at some point because the story became crazy nonsense. And yeah. then now I have like bad feelings about that game because I... Including the first... They've kind of spread to the first one. Yeah. So I, which I, I 100%ed and beat three times. And so, yeah, I, I they've, they've ruined it, right? They ruined the game for me by with the story. And so, yeah, that's... a. Uh, that's my my prime example of that. Which is so insane, the, the amount of work that went into that game. That, like, I, I always think, like, the reason that Pixar movies, especially the earlier ones, were so good is because so much iteration went into it because they took so long. And you just had so many really brilliant minds pouring things in. And then, naturally, a really great story kind of sifted out through that. Yeah. I would think that would happen on Red Dead, too, but... Not Dude. when you've got not when you've got a single point of failure, the or a dual point of failure, JD. Yeah, the housey brothers that are yeah. just thinking they're like fucking geniuses, <laughs> and it's just nonsense. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, do you guys have any other games, or do you want to move on to dice? Let's do dice. Okay. Dice, dice, dice of destiny. All right, Dice of Destiny is this fun little segment uh, that we do at the end of the episode where we have a 20-sided dice and we roll with 20 different game genres assigned to it. We roll to see what game genre we're playing. Last week, Peterson rolled a strategy game and he rolled another dice and he can spend $15 on it. And Peterson, what'd you pick? So that was that was actually the thing that made this very hard was the $15 uh but luckily, the Steam sale was going, so I was able to pick up um, some games, a, a game that I was interested in. I got a, good, a lot of good recommendations on the Discord channel. Thank you. Uh, I didn't go with any of them because I decided I should 
uh, pick a game that's been on my wish list for a long time. Uh, so this is a game that came out in 2018. It's called Atom, A-T-O-M, R-P-G. It's, okay. it's, it's got a terrible name, actually. The yeah, name is terrible. Great. It's called At- Atom RPG colon Don't put the game genre post-apocalyptic the indie game. That's the oh. title of the game. That's so there it was, it's an SEO title. Got it. Cool. Weird. Yes. yes. But the game is actually, let's see. The game's actually, it, it looks interesting to me because it's a, a top-down, uh, turn-based combat and it really just takes all of its inspiration from Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. Uh, and, you know, the reviews were positive, so I went in and uh, picked it up. I've already played a decent amount of time, so I won't spoil my review. But I picked Atom RPG colon post-apocalyptic indie game. That's uh, a terrible name, by the way. Say, I hope it's. If this came than... out this year, this was this would get a blursty nom for worst name, but it came out in 2018, so I can't give it one. That's a shame. Well, I think we violated that on games that we discovered. We, um, we but have, but I, really I don't think don't we're going to need to push it because we've got some gnarly ones. Yeah, this year. Um, cool. So you will have a review for Atom RPG post apocalyptic indie video game on Steam. Game. I will. That's yes. A full title. Yep. Uh all right guys. Um well that does it for us this week and to play us out we've got some music from Red Dead Redemption 2. All right guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for dealing with my excess of energy on the Saturday afternoon. Woo! I'm JD. <laughs> Hi JD. Look it up. <laughs> Uh, normal amount of energy. This is Peterson going AFK. And rolling out. Peterson Productions. Oh, yeah. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.